Today's episode is sponsored by The Darkness. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. Today's guest is Hope England, a person who I think would give the Dos Equis most interesting man in the world a run for his money. Hope is the founder and CEO of Humor for Hope, a beautiful organization that uses improvisational comedy as a form of therapy for populations battling trauma, displacement, and illness. This was Hope's second time on the podcast, and it was great getting to catch up with her. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Hope's first appearance, um, I highly recommend giving it a listen. So, Hope recently spent two weeks in a dark cave in Guatemala alone, and you're probably asking yourself, why the hell would she do that? That's a great question, and one that will be answered in this episode. To learn more about what Hope and Humor for Hope is up to, and to support the organization, check out the organization's Instagram, at Humor for Hope, and also their website, humorforhope.com. Um, now, before we get to the episode itself, just a few quick promotional um, things. So, me and my friend Thomas Back, who has been on this podcast a bunch of times, um, started a sketch production company. We go by the name The Sketch Filming Company, uh, and we've put up a lot of sketches over the last few weeks, um, a few where were some mouse ears, uh, there's some party mouses in those sketches, some where you get to hear this soothing voice over a sleep app as well, so I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, there's a few ways that you can see those sketches. You can go to my YouTube page via my website, chiragrator.com, C-H-I. R-A-G-R-A-T-H-O-D.com. Um, you can follow the Sketch Filming Company on Instagram at the Sketch Filming Company. You can follow myself on Instagram at Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. And then you can also follow Thomas on Instagram at Backman, where the A's are fours. So it's B4CKM4N. Um, also, the boys of KJ and the Good Time Family Band, who you hear on every episode of this very podcast in the intro and the outro, have been putting out new singles from their forthcoming album, Dynamics, which comes out March 26th, that you should definitely check out. Um, those singles and the album uh, will be available on Spotify. Uh, and there's a song that we play at the end of this episode. It's called Sauce by Man Wolves. Uh, I'm in no way connected to them, but it's a great track that you should listen to. Man Wolves, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast. That's it. Let's get to the episode. Today's episode was recorded on February 20th, 2021. Welcome to Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. Wow, Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. Mike. They say turn my headphones up. Oh. So that's not bad. It's okay. I'm gonna leave. Great having you actually. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you for being on the podcast. It was the greatest short episode we've it's ever had. Episode. People are gonna love it. It's not gonna take up that much time. <laughs> which I think is gonna be really nice for people. Is this too close? Can you hear me like doing weird mouthy things? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had a friend on who I think realized after <laughs> doing it how wet his lips were. Like, uh, well, I don't mean like just that sound. 
Like it became like ugh. I don't like yeah. that. I mean, let me know. This is about embracing your flaws. I think is the yes, <laughs> and all the weird things that weird sounds that your body makes. Can't stand myself. <laughs> If that if I can help everyone, every guest I've ever had on this podcast to get to that point where they yeah. were like, Yeah, I hate myself. Yeah. We've succeeded. <laughs> Come in here happy, leave. The ultimate goal, tear people down. <laughs> to make them better. You are a shell of a human when you leave this place. <laughs> to make them better. <laughs> um, that voice you hear is our guest. Hmm. Me. Yep. Her. <laughs> Er. Yay! Ah. Yes. Sound effects. They're jacked up. I uh, was telling a buddy, I learned there's like, I never understood why DJs would throw crazy sounds onto music. And then I got this soundboard and I'm like, oh, this is yeah the greatest. It's going to be, I'm going to become annoyed with it. So I have to be very careful with. You have my permission to use any and all sound effects throughout this. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I, Actually, what I like about having my own podcast is when. I guess allows me to do things. Yes. It makes it, yeah. you know, the freedom to, <laughs> the freedom to explore, create, and, and create. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Um, oh. That is Hope England, and the audience has already applauded, so they don't have another. Applause oh like. shoot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, real long time. I'm trying to remember when the last time we probably saw each other was the last podcast. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I had just come back from some adventure. Because we talked a lot about psychedelics, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, uh, if you haven't listened to it, super interesting. Mm. The other episode, you learn a lot about ayahuasca. Mm. I didn't know that we were going to talk about that, actually. And I was, um, like, not nervous, but it's like, ooh, we're talking about some wild stuff. And I, I, uh, I'm very intrigued by, um, the role of like psychedelics and mental health and care and it's like becoming more and more like public i think Mm. um and accepted still working its way there but like states are legalizing mushrooms and there's psychedelic research centers at johns hopkins and like all these other studies coming out and it's like it's it's an interesting transition and so that was just like it was the first time i talked about it on this and like there's a part of me that's like not that i don't know what's going to get me fired but it's like ooh, we're mm. talking about these things i don't know i don't know what the the fear is i mean that i'm glad we did it it was cool i just was like ooh, we're talking about shit you know i think um it's so interesting i was just in a workshop this past weekend for uh, my continuing education credits I have to get for to be a therapist every three years after renew that license, and I was so I was in a psychedelic workshop about psychedelic integration with clients, and I noticed that there were probably two hundred people in this workshop, Zoom, a lot of doctors and psychiatrists and therapists and psychologists, and um, it's like everybody was dancing around the topic i mean we were all there for the same reason but it's like it's everyone was so um scared i think or fearful to just really speak up about like 
are they working with clients doing this integration or what is what could that look like or um to talk you know people were kind of tiptoeing around case studies or things like that and I had this moment where I was like we're all here for the same reason this is never going to move forward if we're all kind of still dancing around it yeah and so I was like fuck it hey I have a question (laughs) I have a client who microdoses LSD okay let's let's just dive in and people were like oh (laughs) here we go so there seems to be this like I don't know if it feels kind of like childish maybe there's this like we're adults maybe we don't know the language on how to talk about it people are dealing with their own uncomfortability like one of the things we're doing we're doing um part of my job is this thing called academic detailing so we do educational outreach with prescribers and it's uh really cool because it's like Mm one-on-one so you it's it's one-on-one and it's like conversational conversation based so you're trying to learn how the prescriber practices and then your goal as a detailer, as an educator, is to like fill in those knowledge gaps. And it's taking evidence that exists and giving it to them. Because like there's these numbers of like how long it takes from evidence to be um, like articles to come out with evidence and when it gets implemented into practice for a variety of reasons. And there's like I've heard like 10 years and 17 years, but it's like a long ass time for when it when a study says use drug A for this to when it gets put into practice. And so this academic detailing is kind of there to fill in that gap it's like we've done the research for you here it is and now do with it what you want and we we're doing opioids and it's mostly pharmacology based um like medicine based with the conversations we're having um and we're recently doing we just started this one on diabetes but one of the sections um in our opioid talk is on medical marijuana but i can feel this like hesitancy from people to want to like talk about it and maybe because like it's this thing that used to be illegal and then now is legal and so there's like this thing like i remember people saying like yeah i'll wait till it's legal to smoke it it's like there's even there's just this hesitancy and so with these psychedelics which have basically been illegal our whole life there's just there's some yeah it just seems like there's this uncomfortability maybe we don't have the language correctly to talk about it's even practitioners are like i don't to say mm. I don't want to come out as pro even though that's not necessarily a bad thing right um and yeah I don't know just it's like yeah I've, I've felt that hesitancy as well and also like I would never <laughs> camp um like I did a um one of the things actually after we spoke I did a I gave um a talk to my colleagues about how psychedelics can be used in PTSD mm. um or some kind of either PTSD or some something within the realm of mental health. And we were talking about making new neuronal connections and yeah. like no one had ever heard it. But I was like, this shit's fucking interesting. And yeah. I've actually sent people our episode to be like, hey, go learn about ayahuasca. <laughs> hey, thanks. It's um, it's interesting. You know, I, as you know, I'm a proponent of this and I support it. It's not for everybody, right? Like I have some clients who have asked about it and um. I always preface things with like, it's not a cure-all by any means. People can have really difficult journeys and experiences. And, um, you know, if you feel called to it and you are resourced properly as far as, you know, with other healthy ways of coping and, you know, if you can sit through a really tough experience or journey, then okay. Um, But, yeah, I've, I've had some people find me, uh, and just ask about it as far as like, you know, interested in being a client or 
other practitioners, which is interesting. This just started happening. And so that's something new for me where people are kind of reaching out and be like, Hey, can you tell me more about it? Or what could it be like? Or, you know, um, and just to cover myself here, I don't provide any psychedelics for oh any clients. Cool. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Peace, motherfucker. Give me that fifty dollars. <laughs> so, so you don't. So, what is your role currently in this thing? Well, I mean, I work as a as a trauma therapist, right? But with the psychedelic, um, in the psychedelic realm, it's just more about integration or. Or, or preparation. So if someone's, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to do this, um, then we, then I walk them through, like, are you fully prepared? Are you resourced? Uh, what do you know about it? Would you like some more research? Um, how can I help you contain yourself, you know, throughout that process? And, and then help them integrate the, the, their experience afterwards. So you're not there with them? No. Because that's like, I think with some of these studies, yeah. the there's um I don't know if it's like a therapist or a clinician or someone's with them kind of walking them through the the like the trip basically. yeah <clears throat> yeah and w- in the clinical trials there's usually two therapists in the room with them yeah. so I would love to do that right now I do um, ketamine assisted therapy at a clinic it's a little different than you know other psychedelics but um, yeah I think we're we're uh, it's a new frontier for sure, and it's going to take a lot of learning. And that's part of what this workshop was, was people just asking questions about, like, um, it, could there be neurotoxicity from microdosing MDMA, you know, or um, what drug contraindicates this other drug? Or, you know, there's all kinds of questions that, that providers, as providers, we just don't know yet because this work is just now being tested, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was back in the day, right, with Timothy Timothy Leary and Ram Dass, but as we all know, that got shut down. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's very new. Yeah, so. there was like a was like a forty year gap where yeah. research wasn't happening, and I think is it Rick Doblin who's like the the maps yep. dude, and the, they're the ones doing the phase three like yep. MDMA trials, and it's like finally, it's like yeah, we're beginning to do research to understand these things. It's like it just seems. Why wouldn't you want to know more? Yes. Like that's the part of that. Like going to like, I feel like we're like children about this. It's like, we haven't been told anything. We're just told <laughs> like, that's evil. And so then you're just like raised thinking it's evil when it's it much more different. It's like a nuanced conversation where there is risk associated with this things, obviously like everything. But if you refuse to understand it and we've legally like refused to understand it, then that's dangerous because people are, they're going to be used. Yeah. Like it's, that doesn't, illegality doesn't stop people from using things. No. It just makes people find other means <laughs> yeah. to get the shit. And right. Just like prohibition, right? Like people are going to find it and do it. Uh, I think also just the more we continue to kind of like tiptoe around it versus really all coming together collectively as practitioners or, you know, in the mental health world or just, everybody saying like hey this works we want this we want to use this then it's going to be a slow process i think so someone's got to dive in and so i'm happy to be that person yeah (laughs) i mean maybe that's my privilege speaking a little bit i suppose i mean you know it's it is a little scary to think like could my license get taken away or could you know something happen but again i'm not providing it 
and um the fear of your license getting taken away is what like aiding and abetting people using psychedelics mm, mm -hmm. yeah because it's still an illegal substance so you know i guess i i don't know what that would look like i mean there's been stories from other clinicians saying that they got their license suspended or taken away or you know whatever i'm take it away <laughs> I'll continue to help people in whatever ways I can. Um, yeah. I guess I can see the concern if it's like, this is new ground. There's no rules to this yet. And so yeah. it's like, that. yeah, I could definitely see the, the con concern for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's something to be careful with, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you said something that struck me, and I just lost it. You were talking about, mm, well, I lost it gone it's okay Sorry. we'll find it again yeah maybe or it'll find us yeah <laughs> there is a I was listening <clears throat> to this um dr carl hart on a podcast and he wrote a book recently called um i don't remember the title directly but it's like basically a drug use for adults and his whole thing was like we need a literacy around mm. that um he was on the podcast talking about how he uses heroin and cocaine and i was like Oh, holy shit wow. bro and he's like yeah it's not that big you get the pure stuff and all this and i was like god damn dude so it's definitely like very in your face wait who is this guy carl hart and what does he do he's a doctor wow based on the first two letters in front of his name i think he's done a lot of research and specifically in like uh um like the realm of drugs mm. um i guess the traditional like drugs of abuse mm. um, but yeah he's on there talking about He's on the Rogan podcast, and he was on just talking about yeah, this like oh, like yeah, me and my wife will do a little bit of heroin. <laughs> it's like God damn, dude. Whoa. So it was like, it, you know, I'm like, yeah, we should be open at least to understanding. Sure. It. Even this dude talking about it, it's like, yeah, definitely shocking. Yeah. Um, but like his whole mm. thing is like, why can't we talk about it? Yeah. It, like you said, like the more you don't talk about it, then people. The you as a you as practitioners, we're supposed to be at the forefront of this stuff, and so if you're uncomfortable, which is understandable, it's mm. new and you don't know about it, and maybe you're dealing with your own moral issues as well, or you like your own perceptions of what morality is when it comes to these things. But you should understand it, so you can talk to people about it because people are going to be using it, and wouldn't it be better if people did like what you did? It's like let's talk about it, man. Mm. If you're going to do it. Can I make it better? Yeah, absolutely. So I just. The thought came back. Thanks. <laughs> I was just thinking it's an unlearning, you know, like you're exactly right. We need a language for it and we need a space for it. And um, it, it is an unlearning of, I think, at least for our generation, right? It was like bad, bad. It's all bad. And actually, I don't think it is in certain contexts. Um, I mean, certainly everything can be abused or misused, but. Um, so it's, I, in my opinion, it's an unlearning and a relearning of like, how can this work versus like, as you said, like clients feeling guilty for like having a marijuana card. No, I said, great, good. It's yeah. natural. Uh, I, you know, it's, um, not synthetic. Like if it works for you, use it, Yeah. you know, and we can work through that. But yeah, I think there's a lot of taboo and, um, stigma around it still. So. Do you feel like after that um, workshop that you did, was there like, I mean, I guess it's hard to sense. You, were you leading the workshop or you were just in No, it? no, I was just a participant. Oh, okay. Um, were there any questions that like made you think like, holy crap, like we're pretty far behind. Was it just the hesitancy? <laughs> yeah, most of the time. Yeah. I mean, the, the people who were facilitating were amazing. 
and I've taken a couple of workshops on this, and this was the one so far that they had the most knowledge, and they are running clinical trials. So, um, but there's also a lot that they just don't know. You know, people were saying like, could this therapy, like this certain style of therapy, or um, EMDR therapy, which is the eye movement desensitization, desensitization um, therapy, be paired with psychedelics? And they're like, we don't know yet. Like we just that has not been done because yeah. it's cost a lot of money to do research. And then you're researching something that's very specific. And so they were like, you guys are learning about this. You're on the forefront of it. Go do it. You know? I was like, oh. okay. Yeah. Mm. So I just ate a bag of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. Still haven't come down. <laughs> I don't know where I am and my hands are doing crazy things. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. How are you? Like, I feel like the last time we saw each other, you were about to go to Spain. This was what, two years ago? Yo, Spain was the last time I was on a plane. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, how have you been? How have you handled the pandemic? What What's life like for you? Yeah. Um, or how has it changed? I should say. Yeah. So I've been working from home since March of last year, which has been a year. Um, basically, um, I've really liked working from home. It's been real cool. And waking up in my home has been <laughs> the shit and not having to drive has been tight. Um, <clears throat> uh, 2021, I felt like, or 2020, I, um, you know, this come. I'm going to say something, but I want it to be like, uh, I, want, I don't want to sound unaware of the realities of the world. You know, Basically everything that I say is like trying to be aware of the realities of the world. And I'm going to talk about myself, but um, like it was an interesting year. I felt like I really tapped into like the power of me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm fucking doing great. And like, I, I, you know, again, I don't want to like be, other people's feelings and how difficult it's been but it's like it really got to tap into like just understanding my um i don't know my kind of my superpower just like my shit and i was like i'm fucking just doing really well Mm -hmm. and like connecting with friends and i think there's been a part like i haven't been you know i haven't done an improv show in a really long time but like it's i've seen a small group of people and like really deeply deeply connecting um with uh friends that i've had for a really really long time um like this one buddy he moved to California for a little bit. And so basically every Wednesday we would just have these like two, three hour long conversations mm-hmm. about everything. Um, and <clears throat> like really, really helped kind of bring me back into the reality. Um, there was like a point where during the George Floyd protests where like I, for about 72 hours, I don't, I try not to watch the news that much. I, I pay attention to the news, but I'm not watching local news. Cause it's just like, un, I don't need that much stimuli. And so for about 72 hours watching the news, um, like my phone's like blowing up mm. and like in my brain, I was like, yep, we're about to have this race war in the city mm. on the regular news. There's a video of a dude on top of his like grocery store, or whatever, with a gun pointing down. I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And like, so it ended up having a, like just a conversation with him and just like kind of returning back to earth of like, just I felt like I was spinning out of my mind, took a day off of work, talked to him. But like, there's been these Good. moments where I've like, really, I think I've actually as I say, I've channeled into my own superpower. Like there's been moments where I've really been able to ground and like mm-hmm. just deeper connect to these um, friends and like some family members too, where I get to see them a little bit like just, yeah, just family. And um, so that's been 
great. Um, and then as 2021 kind of turned around, it's been interesting because it's been like a return back to earth. Where <laughs> I've had a lot of these moments of like different types of rejection, um, like work stuff, just like there was just a few moments at work where I just got like my fucking ass like handed <laughs> to me and like um, uh, different relationship stuff with some women um, and uh, like just like a rejection thing. And so there's like for the last like maybe month and a half, it's been like this. I know you thought you were the shit are the shit mm. but like like this like complete like and slammed to the <laughs> yes. ground and so i'm like yes pierced by Kali. yeah oh my god like yeah. it was ridiculous like i had this one conversation with my boss where i ended up like through nothing she said not like the basically ended up like tearing i was just like mm. so just like this emotional thing where i was like what the fuck is happening um and it was good it actually led to an interesting response where i actually got a lot of stuff done um but yeah, it's, it's been kind of this like, yeah, 2020 was this just really understanding like just who I am, what I'm about, some weird stability in the face of like external calamity. And it like, I felt a little disorienting and I didn't want, you know, I don't want to be like, I'm doing fucking great, everybody. Fuck you. What are you talking about? But it kind of felt like that a little bit um, minus the what are you talking about? Um, and yeah. And then the last few months has just been this like kind of reversal. I'm... Um, trying to understand myself better i started going to a therapist yay a few months ago which has been an interesting wow. um i've been thinking about it for a long long time good for you um i haven't told that many people it's interesting uh just because it's kind of a just a thing Didn't yeah i feel like telling a lot of people but now i'm telling everybody <laughs> um but yeah so that's been cool of just like this trying to just understand what i'm about mm. trying to understand like my like relationships with women and yeah. came to the, some interesting clarity about that of how I've been dating for the last six years and wh that how that's kind of impacted everything I've done and so trying to understand that better um yeah and just kind of this overall process of like self it's just mm. the right now I'm in this like or even actually I even say that like even just understanding like being cognizant of when I'm sad and like looking back and being like this is what I did when I was sad and I didn't feel good, what I actually needed was like, like uh, I did this virtual date with this girl like a month or two ago and it had been a week of just like getting my ass handed to me in various instances and I was like, oh, this kind of sucked. It just didn't go very well. And then thinking about it later and talking to the therapist lady is like, it's like you kind of needed like to be around people that loved you and mm. like, you know, not this person putting a lot on this new person, basically, you know, I basically, I needed to be like hugged by my mom or yeah. like my sister, like yeah. a close friend, you know, and it's like, oh, mm. so I was sad. Mm. And like, yeah, understanding some of the tools, being more, yeah, just being more in tune with myself. And I think I've been kind of doing that for years, you know, with improper understanding emotions and vulnerability. And like, this is kind of that next step of like solving, like, yeah, kind of problem solving a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been wild. That's amazing. I'm so I feel so. I don't know if proud is the right word. Like Mom, impressed um, and happy for you. I mean, what an amazing kind of gift you've given yourself. As far as I mean, yes, the uh, maybe the outside world has been crumbling, but it sounds like you were able to do some deep inner work or have started to at least and. It's so powerful, really, to just cultivate mindfulness around, like, what am I actually feeling? What is this emotion? 
oh, what do I actually need? Hmm. Maybe I don't know what I need because I've never paid attention to this or given it to myself or asked for help or, you know, it's like. Yeah, it's been, I'd say the last few years have been like a very like, yeah, personal trying to figure out myself journey. Mm. Um, I don't even know if journey is the right word, but just like trying to figure out what the fuck I'm about. And mm. like part of it's living by myself. I think part of it's getting older. Part of it's trying to really tune in with just what I'm doing. I think reading a lot of spiritual shit has definitely kind of like flipped to the eyes um, a little bit. And yeah, it, it feels good. And it's always, I mean, part of that feels nice, like to just kind of, you know, like focus on me because I think ultimately like, the that is how you change things like, mm-hmm. like these you know I, I get it like there's all these external things happening but it's like i can't that's too much like i'm if i'm focusing on everything happening outside it's like i can't fix me then yeah and like if i'm like even during those th- 72 hours um uh, uh during the like the height of the, the floyd protest i was like i'm literally i can't focus on shit and this doesn't yeah. help anybody yeah. like i can't do anything i can't be a good friend mm-hmm. i can't be a good son i can't be supportive i can't do shit i am lost and spinning and sometimes i feel like that's like good for the powers that be like if, if we yeah, aren't absolutely if we aren't focusing sort of inwardly and realizing like oh i am the shit man like then you're left looking external and people can kind of make you feel whatever they want yes. and then make you do other stuff. Like, yeah. it's like, no, fuck that. I, mm. I don't, I'm not going to do like you or whatever, like want me to do. It's like, I got to do what I need yeah. to do. And the hope is that it becomes better for everybody. Yeah. I, I hope it's, mm, my hope is that that's what's been happening for us collectively, you know, of like realizing our inner truth and inner, connectedness and that exactly what you said I mean it's it may sound so cliche I think probably 10 years ago I would have rolled my eyes at this but we really can't heal the world or heal ourselves heal each other unless we heal ourselves like I can only take people so far as a therapist unless I've done my own work yeah and I see people I don't know if I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this like I see so many people waking up to the kind of their inner truth and really asking questions of like, what no longer serves me? Who am I? How do I want to show up in the world? What does that look like? And just really shedding layers. I love that. It's so mm, powerful. I, in my opinion, that's how we pull back from this brink that we're on of, you know, we only have, I was in this workshop today saying like, we really only have 10 years to turn things around with climate crisis and are we going to do it? What does that look like? And I think the more we build this awareness around, we are each other. Yeah. Um, and I guess first it's right. Like who, who am I? And if there is no I, then we are each other. We are the planet. We are the stars. Like we have to do this together. It's really cool that you're doing this work. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really feel like, I probably say this every episode, but I feel like improv was the start of that. Just mm. like to understand, like the, the first step was like understanding the power of emotions. And then it became like, it just started turning into like expressing emotions on stage and then <laughs> expressing emotions more. Not that I was an emotionless person, but really just being like understanding the power of like just opening yourself up um, through the 
podcasts or through conversations or whatever, it's like, holy shit, like this feels crazy. Mm. This is really <laughs> cool. Um, and then like, yeah, reading stuff, listening through stuff. It's just been this like slowly, not even slow, it's actually kind of fast, I guess, but like just a stepwise approach towards just, yeah, trying to like understand myself better. It makes mm. me also feel like way more in control. It makes me feel a lot better about stuff. It like feels like, yeah, I can just kind of, keep my head up i mean i guess it hasn't been tested i don't know i don't know what the like ultimate crises would be <laughs> me, but like you know like yeah it just i feel like it's hopefully making me a, a stronger like person to be able to not crumble when shit pops off mm. whatever that is for me you know um but yeah thanks it's been it feels good it feels real genuine it feels yeah like honest i feel like i'm it's like uncomfortable sometimes like oh sure yeah, but I think part of it too, like in, in this, um, like over the last month or year or whatever, like having, damn, was that your knuckles? Yeah, I just wow. realized that was really loud. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. These mics made to pick up <laughs> knuckle cracks. Um, but yeah, I think just like um, having these like lengthy conversations with that buddy on a weekly basis, it's like, yeah, just, I don't know. Th there's something about those that just like started a shift in ground that mm. were pretty powerful. Do you, f do you feel like you've uncovered parts of yourself through the therapeutic process that you were like, oh, wow, this is actually helping me or has it, has it been beneficial for you so far? Yes. Um, just to have like, not that I don't have anyone to talk to, but someone on a weekly basis, like you have to just that sort of to talk out stuff, um, has been cool. Um, it's fun. I, I like the person that I work with um, like when I was looking to find someone um, a friend buddy of mine who's a clinician was like you know it's important to mm -hmm. like this is a relationship like it's I don't know how we worded but mutually beneficial but it's like we're both you're trying to have someone you can have a conversation with you can feel comfortable with you're kind of telling them secrets basically right? <laughs> I, I think I am I'm not like telling them things that I've haven't told my mom or whatever, mm -hmm. like whoever, you know, even mm -hmm. people close to me. And there's been just a few different things that have happened that like, she was like the first person that I spoke to is like, oh, I told her a few times like, this is, you're getting exclusive shit. You're hearing it coming right <laughs> yeah. out of my, um, right. so I think the benefit of just being able to get it out. And I, luckily I have friends I can talk to where I can, you know, but I can put it out to them as well, which is really nice. Um, you know, they also have their own things. They're not there to like just absorb. Mm. It's a, to have one person who's basically there to just listen and absorb is really interesting because, you know, with friends, it's like, I'm here for you too. I'm just, I want to be here for you just as much as you're here for me. So this is going to be a, I'm going to, you know, tell you my heart and then you can tell me your heart and we'll, we'll hold each other's burdens together. Um, uh, from like a, a dating perspective, I think I understand some interesting clarity about how I'd been um, basically approaching every date I've ever been on for the last six years. And like, it's like, oh my God, I'd never ever thought about that. Basically like every person that I'd gone on a date with, there'd been like a little bit of a distance mm. um, where like no one had really cracked through that. And when they did, it was like off with your head, gone, bye. <laughs> yeah. And I just had never fully, Over it. <laughs> yeah. And I had never had verbal, like verbalized it like that or heard it like that. And so trying to shift that a little bit in, in the future like dates that I've gone, um, I think that's been like, I don't know if I would have come to that conclusion myself, really. So I thought that was pretty big. Um, yeah, some other stuff, like where I feel my role is within the family and work and, mm. and like, um, just like, yeah, the, what is responsibility? Why do you feel that responsibility? Sometimes 
just hearing questions that like I wouldn't ask myself that make me kind of pause for a second that force um, some level of introspection I think has been great I think I got lucky that I was able to find someone who connect with early and you know who knows what, like what happens in the future but it's been yeah for sure I've I've, I've liked it so that's far. awesome that's awesome I always tell my clients in the beginning like when we first meet I always say finding the right therapist is a bit like dating like you you really I always tell them like it's a it's so much of it is about the rapport and the relationship and kind of like do you feel safe in the space with this person and so I always say like you know we'll we can meet for three or four sessions and then kind of check back in and see how we feel about this yeah. like is it a fit do we both feel good about this uh, if not you know I'm happy to help you find someone who is it can be tricky you know it, it really is a kind of a intimate process as far as sharing most or all of your inner stuff with a complete stranger yeah <laughs> yeah. Who then holds it for you, right? Like, yeah, tell me. It actually, like, please tell me, because then we can do the work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, also, like, just some, like, little life, like, actual functional stuff of, like, when I used to drive to work, um, every morning I would, I would tr it was a 30-minute drive, and I would just drive in silence. Um, and it was just a way for me to, like, kind of just check in. And weirdly, like, I love driving with music, and... For whatever reason, somehow I got myself to like crave that silence in the morning. And then since I've been working from home, I didn't have that. And I realized that like a few months ago and just kind of was like, why don't we, why don't you just try and drink some coffee in the morning silently? And that's like turned into waking up like 6.30, kind of being yelled at by a friend. When I'd for, for years, I'd been telling a buddy I wanted to wake up and then we were just hanging out and he goes, shut the fuck up, just wake up. <laughs> and then the next day, for real, the next day, I was up at six and I was like, I don't know what you said or why that worked. <laughs> and he's like, it's all you, man. And I was like, I know, but I needed you to yell at me. Yeah. But it's like, it's turned into like, wake up, have some coffee and chill. You know, I've had the luxury of just kind of, I don't have to wake up and run and do stuff right away. Um, but yeah, like it's turned into doing stretches and, like doing exercises and waking up early and feeling actually like genuinely better when I get up at like six, six thirty versus like sitting in bed till eight fifteen, eight forty five <laughs> and then going to work and like those little things just sort of set the day in motion mm. that I can those things that I can control because there's always gonna there's gonna be like, you know, a conversation that's just gonna throw me off or like something's gonna happen. I mean family stuff happens. It's all this those those curveballs and all those things are always gonna be there. But like these moments where I can control it and kind of set myself up to be in the part. Of, I think part of that again is like, can I, how can I be my best self? What can I do to like get myself in the best position to be able to just like dip and dodge and like not get fucking smacked in my feet mm. when something happens. Cause some shit's going to happen. Like the, uh, I think Jordan Peterson, something, and this is a Bible thing, but it was like the flood is coming. So what are you going to do to prepare yourself? And mm. it's like, okay, I have all this time. Like part of the, the like over the last year it's like okay things are going okay for me right now like I have a fucking job family's okay everyone's healthy so if I just sit and I complain then what the fuck am I doing mm. for me it just became like all right let's build this shit up let's just do a lot of stuff figure myself out try continue to figure myself out build better relationships with my friends and deeper ones and like that to me is like that's the, you know like I have been given this privilege and I don't know why. Why did I why did I get to feel like I was in a bubble? I don't know. 
maybe I'll figure it out later. You know, when I finally have my conversation with God, when he's like, this is why. <laughs> but like, <laughs> should I sit back and not do nothing? That seems like a waste. Mm. Given some fucking magical super weapon, might as well yeah, use it. do shit with it. And so that's kind of where I feel mm. right now. It's like, I'm chilling, man. Like until not chilling, then, then we'll figure it out. But like right now, it's like, this is the time to do work, I think. Yeah. Mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever the work is for me, it's like, yeah, that's kind of where I'm. Mm. That's a pretty precious place to be, it sounds, Yeah. for now. Uh, I was listening to this podcast the other day about wintering and the importance of just taking time in silence or solitude or just kind of like the human version of hibernating and just being with yourself and your thoughts and not distracted by our phones or jobs or the outside world just in order to kind of ground and then when you're ready go out and give whatever gifts you uncovered to the world you know or share it I should say I think that's so important and I I mean, at least in my work, I see people who so often feel so disconnected, you know, and are kind of repeating these unconscious patterns over and over and over again, partly because I think in current society, there's no rest or respite, really deep rest of, or, or time for reflection, you know, um, and it seems like COVID has while it's wrecked us, you know, and some worse than others for sure, in some ways has has given us that time to rethink, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Can you move that wire up? This one. Yeah. Yes. How so? Got it. Does that help? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We're still <laughs> trying to figure this new <laughs> system out. Um, okay. You said something that's really interesting, and my bu- a buddy of mine's been saying this too. It's like, I think we need to pause for a second. Yes. It's just like... Yeah, I think just to, like, be aware of what the fuck is going on. Like, there's a lot going on. And there's probably, there's always a lot going on, you know? But it's, like, your own brain already has enough, like... Mm. My brain is full of just fucking always. Like, I've actually... You know what's crazy about all this um, over the last few months? I've actually been trying to understand how to sleep better because my brain is just, like, a... Going, going, yeah. It's fucking... Fire and Turbo stuff mode. Up. Oh, the Democrats are trying to make my brain thoughts illegal. There's so many rounds, you know? And um, that's a tweet right there. Shit, I need to. God damn it, I need a Twitter. Guys, remind us of that later. <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah, I think just that pause to figure out, like, where the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. Like, what is. To, like, orient ourselves to everything and yeah. each other. And, you know, that, that comes with, like, the, I think you said, the privilege of being able to do that mm. it's like i you know my kind of think about like with my my parents like they came here and then they immediately you know they had to work to take care of the family and then the kids are born and there's like very little time to think about stuff because your duties are to sort of take care of your family and all that shit and i understand it completely mm. it's like but i'm given this time to like have this opportunity to sit and reflect and think and chill and it's like you know if, if actually kind of feels like um I get to like stand at the top of a mountain and or a tall building and kind of look out at everything and be like, you know, sometimes even with the like political process, it's like, oh, this feels a little like we're missing something. Um, and it's like, I think, I've, you know, I'm not saying I've seen everything, but it's like, I feel like I get to, I have this 
by luck or by chance, I have this opportunity to be able to sort of peer through something a little different. And now I can't not see that and like try to move with that mm. knowledge. And part of that is like figure your shit out first. Mm. And, then, and then things will kind of grow from there. Yeah. Does it, does, mm, does this practice of working more on your like emotional and mental health also, is that also interwoven with your spirituality? Like, are the two, do they go together as far as like you gaining clarity mentally and emotionally? Does that also move you in terms of your presence and, and um, your spiritual life? Maybe I don't know if I know how to answer that question. I need further clarification. Sorry, that's uh yeah. I was just thinking about you pausing and and really reflecting, and when you say like you know really deciding like what do I want to do with this? Mm, I guess I was wondering if if there is a spiritual side to that too. Of like, what does it look like for all of us? Or I don't know where do we go from here? Or how do we take care of each other? Or um. Well, I think kind of, yes. I mean, I've been reading a lot of Jordan Peterson over the last few years. Is, this is the professor from... Canada? Yes. Yeah. I just watched a documentary on him. I'm fascinated by this. So he reminds me a lot of, like, Joseph Campbell. And I, I'm pretty sure... I, I'd say this every time. But he, Joseph Campbell somehow comes up in every episode. But, like, Joseph Campbell's thing <laughs> was you know, comparing religions. Jordan Peterson is, like, mostly Christianity or Western mythology, but he's a psychologist. So he combines all this, like, mental health work with this religious stuff. And so I've been reading that stuff is kind of, I mean, that's kind of where my brain is mm. at a little bit of combining two of those things. So I think there is um, uh, a combination of, I think you asked spirituality and mm -hmm. I forgot what the other thing you said, but mental health work and spirituality. So I think they're kind of molded in. I mean, it makes me think of myself sometimes as like the, the warrior trying to like <laughs> fight that dragon, you know, and like talking yeah. about those, like those flowery words. And it's like, I do kind of think of it like that. It is starting to, turn into that a little bit and it's like you know when life is a battle fucking saying it's like mm. yeah kind of yes yeah people are always trying to like maybe not physically try and kill you but like because of their own whatever the fuck they're dealing with their their uh, like own stuff it's like they're trying to emotionally fuck you up physically fuck you up and like how do you yeah how do you protect against that so yeah kind i, I guess to your question i think it is mm. kind of yeah I I was recently, uh, I guess in December, I was in Guatemala for a silent retreat, and I go every year, usually for Christmas, for about a month, and I spend a few weeks in silence. And this year, I decided to do a solo retreat by myself in silence, but in a cave, and they call it a dark retreat. So it's total darkness. Like I can't, I even put my hands over my eyes at one point and was like, can I see at all? I couldn't tell the difference. So complete darkness. You don't, I didn't come out for two weeks. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I know, I know. <laughs> I can't, I'm surprised I haven't told you about that. I guess I really haven't spoken much about it, but one of the things I uncovered in my time in the cave was, uh, that, it was kind of this inner voice guiding me that just said, hey, Hope, you struggle when you want the moment to be anything other than what it is. That's what causes your suffering. And I was like, oh, oh damn. <laughs> Got my ass. <laughs> Got my whole ass. 
wow. That really struck me. I'm just sitting in the dark like, oh, my God. <laughs> so um, how did you eat? How did anyone <laughs> know you were still in there? Yes. Um, Look, some of the physical stuff. And then that's I'm gonna get the, to what those you are said. the most questions I get. You yeah. don't care about your own self-realization. Yeah, who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> um, so I, the people who run the retreat center fed me every day. So they brought me three meals a day and there was a double like latched door. So they would knock three times. I would know that they were there with food. They would slide it in and then they'd knock three times. Let me know that the door was closed so that I couldn't op- open it from my side. Um, it was a tiny room, probably about this, maybe a little smaller than this. It had a, a small bed in the cave I call it um just enough room for a yoga mat and then a little kind of cut out in the wall where I could meditate and there was a compost toilet and then a small shower so it was tight but um I could eat in there they fed me and then because I'm insane I actually decided to fast and they told me before I went in like hey that's not allowed and I was like okay and I waited one day and wrote them a letter in the dark that's like I I think I'm gonna fast and they were like god damn it Okay. So you didn't eat for two weeks? I had breakfast. I did do breakfast every morning. Just vegetables I did, and um, some days I would have eggs or something. And then I just did coconut water for the rest of the time. And I found out very quickly that in the dark, when you're submerged in darkness for a certain amount of time, you start to hallucinate. And then if you're fasting on top of it, you really hallucinate. (laughs) So by like day two, I was already losing my mind. Like, oh, shit. (laughs) I'm in here. Why are all these motherfuckers in this cave (laughs) with me, dude? I know. know. At one point, I was sitting backwards in the little meditation cutout. So I was facing the wall instead of out towards the room and was looking at it, thinking I was in the back of a like old station wagon watching the world go by and I was like whoa it's so beautiful here like trees and then I was like oh my god <laughs> I'm really hallucinating I'm still in the dark <laughs> so there's no light coming in at any so it's just full dark always yep total darkness so you you lose sense of time you know yeah. uh no I couldn't tell if it was morning or night or really anything I, I could tell actually a little bit, which I was grateful for, um, to kind of anchor myself. I could hear, sometimes I could hear the birds in the morning and, um, that's kind of how I was like, okay, it's morning. And then I sometimes could hear crickets at night. So I could kind of try to stay on track as much as I could, but you also stop sleeping because so much melatonin builds up in your body. You just stop sleeping. So I was meditating for like 18 hours a day, maybe more. Just like... Sitting and breathing? Well, (laughs) that's another thing I learned um, during my retreat was, for me, I think I've always had this idea that spirituality had to look a certain way. Meaning, I'm not not religious. I don't consider myself religious by any means, but... Get out. Yeah, sorry. Okay. (laughs) Go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Go to hell, you sinner. (laughs) You frigid bitch. (laughs) Oh, So I, even with, with like being spiritual, I thought like I had to meditate a certain way and sit a certain way and say certain mantras and hold certain mudras and, you know, all of this stuff and, and, and I kind of just have a certain presence about me. And I realized in the cave, like, that's not me. That is not me at all. And I don't even remember half of these mantras. So at one point I 
they they would give me a thermos full of the coconut water and I was hallucinating. So I just started, I was drumming on this thermos, like really lost myself just drumming for hours. And then I was dancing at certain times. I was like telling myself jokes that I thought were hilarious. I was laughing, playing air guitar, like, you know, playing certain characters. And I just realized that for me, my spirituality is play and joy and the laughter and I love being a weirdo. I love, like, at one point before I went into the retreat, I met a um, a good friend of mine now who was doing the 10-day retreat outside of the cave. And the night before I went into the cave, he and I were talking. There, we were on a lake, and we were just, he's also insane. He's a comedian. He's so funny. And so we were just losing our minds together. You know how you just amp each other up. And we were like, screaming on the edge of this lake like we get stars we get trees like what we get to live here on planet earth like this is insane and and then we got into this conversation like who makes up all these crazy rules everything is made up like all of it so i think that stayed with me when i was in the dark and i just realized like oh no it doesn't have to look a certain way like who who made that up why is that a rule is it a rule like It can, when I feel fully aligned, I'm just being myself. Like I'm just being a weirdo on my roller skates or like longboarding with my music in or playing with kids or doing improv or just being fully embodied. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. That's crazy. (laughs) Okay. How did you... What other what other hallucinations did you have? I had so life? many. Yeah. yeah. So so they there's kind of a progression that they say you go through when you're in the darkness like this and it's what I read and what my kind of spiritual teachers shared with me was like by day 4 you kind of start to hallucinate. Uh, the first night I was already like, "Whoa, SpongeBob is in a cloud doing weird shit." So you take ayahuasca, nothing happens. You take <laughs> until like fucking three days later. You go into a cave for five minutes, <laughs> literally lose my mind. I must say, actually, she came into the room before I did, and she was already staring at a wall <laughs> yeah, at the station wagon, looking at the world. And I was I like, was. "Girl, you need to calm your ass." You all right, girl? Lights are on. Maybe it's just you. Hi, son. <laughs> hi, hi. Um. Yeah, it it hit me pretty quickly. I also was in silence for the week before I went in just because I wanted to really cut out the noise after I got there and and go inward. Maybe that primed me or prepped me a little bit, but, um, and and I say in silence, but I was still like on my phone and I would talk to people if they talked to me, but. Um, Were you on retreat or you're just like. I was at the retreat center. If you're on the property there, you're supposed to be in silence. We weren't because I made some good friends and we we're like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Have you seen a uh, flea bag? No. Oh yes. I love her. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I love her so much. I thought the show was real great. Really well. There's a, <laughs> where her and her sister go to a silent retreat and her and her sister keep talking and cracking jokes. Just reminded <laughs> me of that. About that. I just watched it. That's pretty much what happened. And yeah. what was funny was the people who run the retreat center, we also became friends. So then we were all talking and then they're like, why don't you come to the main house where they live like for Christmas Eve and have dinner with us? And I was like, okay. So then it ended up just being a week of like hanging out with new friends. Like none of us were in silence at that point, but I was supposed to be, um, I, now I forgot the original question. 
Uh-oh. What other hallucinations did you have? Oh, yeah. What other things did you see? Um, if I mean, in the beginning, I saw a lot of colors, like abstract kind of stuff. I had this, uh, a lot of fear come up. Um, I would not recommend doing this for any listeners if you don't have a very strong kind of meditation practice or yoga or um, have really worked through your own mental health stuff because, and I was advised not to do it. My spiritual teacher was like, they only very, very experienced spiritual teachers do this, like in the mountains of Tibet. Like you don't be careful is what she was like. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for two weeks. Watch me. (laughs) I got my shit rocked (laughs) to put it spiritually. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I saw a lot of colors and abstract kind of stuff in the beginning. And then I really, so I was in the, I was in the cave from the day after Christmas until January 9th. So through Christmas and new, um, through the, through New Year's Eve. And I would say for the first six days, I really struggled. Like the first three days I was trying to orient myself of like just feeling the space and like, I think the shower is here you know, just trying to memorize and, and let that settle and integrate in my body. And then days three through six, I really struggled mentally where I was like, uh, especially on day six, I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm insane. First of all, there's a global pandemic. And I was like, I'm going to go to Guatemala and isolate in a cave. One of my friends who's also a therapist who's like, wait, what are you doing? You're going to a cave in the dark for two weeks? And she just looked at me and she goes, you're fucked up. (laughs) You're really fucked up. (laughs) Like, you know this. Um, So day six, I was just kind of unraveling. Like, what have I done? Uh, And, and I, I also, in the past, I think I was this kind of person that was like, I had to prove something. Like I had to show myself, like I can do this. I can power through it. I can conquer this. This was very different. I, I really tried to humble myself and just let go and be led, like just kind of answer the call. And whatever was going to unfold in there just needed to unfold. I wasn't trying to conquer anything. So so on day six, it was a lot of questioning, like why did I do this? And why did I say two weeks? And like what is wrong with me? Am I crazy? Like, And, and I remember trying to sleep. I couldn't because I just wanted to pass the time. And... I was kind of having this pity pity party of like, nothing's happening for me in here. I'm not getting any insights. Like, you know, like the world owes me something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I paid for this. <laughs> and God's like, bitch, sit down. <laughs> so I was having this kind of conversation with myself and was angry because I couldn't sleep because I was getting all these, had all these thoughts. And then I just suddenly realized like, these thoughts that are keeping me up are not my thoughts. Like, whose are these? Yeah. Where are these coming from? Oh, I should just listen. And honestly, it was not, these were not my thoughts. Like, it, they were these intense downloads, just like, here's what's happening, here's the next step, like, here's what you should do, like, boom, boom, boom. I My intention when I went into the darkness was just give me clarity. Like, please give me clarity. Yeah. I got it, loud and clear. And so day six, I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) I've been missing it because I'm in here thrashing around like the world owes me. Give me something. Well, it was happening. And And you weren't listening. I was not listening. Mm -hmm. 
And so day six took a turn and I just got really still and was like, show me the way. So, uh, yeah, my, the visions after that kind of changed. Um, it wasn't so much colors and abstract stuff. It was just more these kind of, I call it like a spirit collective speaking to me as one entity, just telling me like, Hey, here's what's up. (laughs) Listen, just let me do my thing and you're a vessel I'm working through you and I was like oh wow (laughs) whoa (laughs) what it was crazy yeah and you think (laughs) you're saying you shouldn't go if you haven't um like really tightened up your like practice your method is that just because like things can get pretty wild and if you don't have a way to center yourself like you yeah. can get pretty lost. Yeah. I like to say lost in the sauce as the kids say. Okay. I was about to just say lost in the sauce yeah. and, and as a kind of a interesting or weird connection, there's a song called sauce by Mandwolves. It's like this little five or six piece band from Evanston. It's like <laughs> cool, like horns and mm-hmm. guitars and all sorts of stuff. And I was just listening to their song called sauce, um, which starts with a quote from Gucci Mane that says you can get lost in the sauce but you also need the sauce. You got to be careful. Yes. He said it real, <laughs> yes. real, exactly like that is how he said it. He said it better than what I just did. But I listened to that song about four times in a row as I was driving here just because it was really, nice. I was really feeling it. And that's weird that you said. Look, it's supposed to happen. This yeah. is happening right he now. Listened. The universe. You should, we should listen to that. Yeah. Oh. We'll close the show out with it. Uh, yeah, I can actually play it on this because I got to just grab my phone and we can definitely do that. Sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. To answer your question, I don't want to say, like, who am I to say, like, you should or shouldn't do this? You're standing at the front of the cave, right? Saying people can or can't. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Nah, uh, <laughs> not you, you. Maybe you. I don't You're know. cute. Let's go in the cave together. <laughs> you know, they actually do do a couples uh, retreat if you want. You can go with your partner or whomever, which I thought would be so powerful. We can talk about that. Um, yeah, I think I say that because... For me, there were moments of intense fear that came up, like just full body, like I would be fine. And then just like <gasps> literally terrified. And it wasn't necessarily anything in particular. It's just old stuff. And I realized when I do these silent retreats, like our brains are literally like a computer and these files just get stored. Every experience we have gets stored, stored, stored. And For me, I've always said, like, I really have a hard time remembering things from my childhood or stuff like that, and everything is coming up. Like, oh, my God, I remember when I wore this outfit on this day during fifth grade, and we had school pictures that day, and, like, just the most, like, whoa, it's in there. Um, And sometimes just intense terror or fear would come up, and there were moments where I was so scared. Like, one, I thought I was dying you know I was like I'm a, I'm full-blown about to have a panic attack and how do I get out of here at one moment it started to to rain really hard and where we were in Guatemala like there's doesn't really rain it wasn't rainy season so it was like thunderstorming to me I think because in my mental state it sounded like a fucking hurricane where I was like oh my god like there's gonna be a mudslide like no one's gonna know. No one's gonna remember I'm in here. Like, how am I gonna? How do I get out of here? Like, just so much fear, and I jumped up and was like, I have to get out of here. I have to get out. But the thing is, my 
like if I had run out, one, I don't speak Spanish. My Spanish is very poor. And two, like, what was I going to do? Bust out of the cave and just start screaming like, help me. And people are gonna be like, help you what? <laughs> like, you're okay. Help you what? <laughs> like, I can't help you. You have to help you. And so I had to find ways to like calm myself, like stay, stay, you're okay, stay, yeah. stay. And that happened quite a bit. I mean, just little things could, you know, would set my nervous system off. So I, I've told a few people that have been interested in it. Like, I think really being a, really having an awareness of your own nervous system and being able to track that of like, okay, I feel X, Y, and Z probably because of this, like, let me calm myself. I, I'm okay, you know, being able to walk yourself through it. Um, There's, like, moments, like, when I'm sort of lost in a train of thought. Like, I had this happen, like, a few nights ago where I was just... I've actually been really, really good about sleep and being able to sort of just, like, breathe myself to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but a few nights ago, I just had this, like, moment where I just... My brain started running, and it felt, um, like, in the... It, it feels like it's kind of unstoppable. And, and you know, it, you're, I, I think there's if we could all kind of figure out what our touchstone is to like return back because mm. you get lost. And I imagine, you know, in, in something where you're completely sensory deprived, like I can't, like can't even imagine what the heightened yeah. amount of it is. Cause just lying in my bed in my comfortable home mm. sometimes feels, can feel like inescapable in those moments where yes. you're just like spiraling. In a, yeah. in a tailspin and it's like, okay, that's just my bed. And you know, figure I can get up and go watch Netflix or whatever to right. break it up. But it's like, that could happen anywhere mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that extreme as a tailspin. But if you start to get into these, like whatever spinning emotion, it's like, what do you do to bring yourself back? Yeah. That's interesting. Like it seems valuable anywhere. And then in your, like basically the NBA of <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see if I can fucking guard my brain. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's a good way to put it. Yeah, totally. It also didn't help that, Right before the the guy who runs the retreat center walked me up, you know, and he was like, hey, here's a candle. Take your time. And once you blow it out, it's just you. <laughs> and right before he left me, he's like, oh, by the way, um, this is earthquake proof. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, that's happened to somebody before. He's like, so just so you know, like, you're good. And I was like, oh, wait, what? I didn't even... I didn't even think about that. That's like the dude at the top of when you're at like those like <laughs> water slides. Like, hey, don't look down. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't tell me that. Right. right. What a sneaky dude. I know. And I was like, God damn it. And then there was a huge scorpion in my room in the cave. And I was like, mm, I didn't want, I don't want to think about that. Like, How do you know? Uh, well, that was before I blew the candle out. So I saw it and I was like, no, 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 no. I do not want to start off with this mindset. Luckily, he came back and got it for me, like, you know, took it out. But um, the first full night I was in the cave, there was an earthquake. (laughs) So I was like, oh, shit. It really. Yeah, I had moments that were tough, hard to work through. But I was able to. There was a there was a moment where I was so far, like so deep into meditation that I felt and hallucinating very hard. I was so far gone that I was like, I don't know if I can come back. Like I've split so far from myself. Like, I don't know. Like I'm going to come out of here full blown schizophrenic. (laughs) And so I did write them a letter in the dark and was like, can you please bring me like some trail mix or something to just 
like some some sort of texture or sensory thing to like help me ground. They were very kind and they brought me a I asked for a trash bag full of trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> they brought me a Ziploc bag. <laughs> a trash bag to some. How so. did you know? Like, okay, so you said you're so far removed from yourself. Yeah. But you also kind of know that you're not yourself. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're still kind of here? There's a sub-awareness of not being... Yeah, I felt like I was... Uh, there was, like, just one tiny string tethering me to, like, present-day life. And I was like, am I gonna go? Like, am I gonna cut this cord and just see what happens? Or am I gonna... And then I had some fear of, like, I don't know what's gonna happen if I just fully let go. I don't, will I make it... Will I make it back? I don't know. I think I a Ram Dass thing where he described some of the like super yogis that are here but they're basically only here by a little yeah. string yeah. that's what you felt yeah I, I felt Christ. on the I felt on the cusp of that where I was like oh wow I yeah I don't know how to describe it like this if I had really let go there would have been a, another full-blown journey and I don't I don't think I was ready for that yet um Ram Das says too in the documentary Becoming Nobody. I don't know if you've seen it. It's so good. I actually watched it when I came out of the cave. There's a point where you kind of just dissolve. And that happened. That's when I started really hallucinating because I like some points I just couldn't feel my body anymore. Like I was just the emoji eyeballs in a dark room. And then even then like I couldn't see anything, so it's like all the borders all the framework of everything just started to dissolve. And I was like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. This is insane. <laughs> it was really powerful. It was a really, really powerful experience. So, Did you, at any point, like, did it always stay, was it dark the whole time? Like, did you start to see, like, did you, you become, did your eyes reset to being able to see shit where, no, so that's the other thing too. If if I had run out, like, well, I'll tell you. So when I did come out of the cave, I they came to get me at five a.m. What the morning I was supposed to come out, and he was talking to me through the through the kind of box in the wall, and he was just like, "Hey, I'm here. It's pitch dark. Like the moon is not out, so it's totally dark out here. When you're ready, just open the door and come out." And I actually got really scared because. I felt like I was being birthed. Like, I was like, I'm in this womb. Because I came to love it. Like, I didn't want to come out of the cave. I was like, I feel actually feel safe here. Um, and I was like, I don't, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And he was like, you can do it. Like, just unlock the door and walk out. And I just, I don't know how to describe it. I just felt like I was being birthed. And I came out. And I, my, it's like my eyes had never seen light before. I made it two steps out and had to sit down. And I was like, whoa, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I just sat down and he, he let me sit there for hours so my eyes could adjust. And everything was pixelated. Like I couldn't, it looked like black and white static. I couldn't tell what anything was. He was standing there and I, I was like, I don't, I see something here. I don't know what this is. It was wild. And it's hard to walk because your body kind of, I don't know, like forgets or probably lose some i don't know if how quickly like muscle sensory. tone disappears but like i'm sure there's because yeah you're not moving that much right you're just i guess you were dancing just to the bit. shower or doing yoga 
but that's three steps. <laughs> but yeah, I, I literally sat for hours and just my eyes had to adjust. And it was like I was on five million mushrooms. Like when the sun came up over these volcanoes, I was just weeping like, oh my God, like looking at plants like a baby, like, whoa, we get plants? Like, what? <laughs> and this stray dog came by and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And this the water was blowing across the lake and I was like, the earth is speaking to us all the time. Like, we just don't realize it because we're in motion, yeah. distracted. My, uh, a buddy of mine got into photography a few years ago and he said that like helped him reappreciate the sun. Mm. Um, but I think it was just like, you know, this almost physical, like just like looking up as opposed to looking yeah. down and just like, you know, all these things that we allowed ourselves to be distracted by. Like I got the, my old apartment, the way it was angled, um, it was like, there were not too many tall buildings, but it was just a three, four, 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 four walk up. Um, but like the, the, the window, um, in my living room pointed, um, pointed west and north. You got it. <laughs> you got it. But, uh, regardless, whatever. But, uh, uh, I got to see the sunset like every day, just chilling in my living room and like the craziest colors in the sky. And on these like weird, on these rainy days, sometimes like I would just like, just be staring at it for like 30 minutes and it would go from like purple and red and mm. blue. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yes. You know? Like no one looking at the sky. <laughs> no. It's just like, it, but it, yeah, it was like those little things. It's like, there's all this really fucking wild shit happening. Magic around us. Always, always. And so even just like looking at the silly, but like even looking up at the moon, it's like, why the fuck is it so goddamn bright? Like, I don't even understand. Like what the fuck is happening? Right. I'm sure I could, you know, I'm sure not, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason it's bright to like, <laughs> but, but it's just like, what the fuck? Like, it's so goddamn bright and yeah. we should look at it. Like, it's cool. Amazing. How cool? Yes. How we cool? get a moon. Yeah. What? And that like guides little creatures. What? And like regulates our bodies and the tides. and It's insane. Someone was talking this morning about how she held up a sheet of paper and she was like, this paper is us and i was like okay same more same more you on mushrooms what's up <laughs> and she was like no look it like the clouds had to create rain to to grow a tree that then had to do its thing to you know mature and then we harvest the tree and make paper like think of everything that went into this and i was like oh my god she's right I hate myself. <laughs> I want to be paper. <laughs> Just a tree. <laughs> yeah, it's wild what we miss. What? Okay, so people, not everyone's going to go into a cave. Sure. And, um, be be uh, insane. Yeah, not everyone gets the luxury of being able to go to a cave to lose their mind. Yes. What? It's a privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Um, like... So how do we find those moments in our life? Mm, that's a great question. I think it's, I think it's cultivating mindfulness, you know? Like you said, pausing to look at the sun and, the, and really witnessing the colors and, or, or watching. I do this with my clients a lot. It's, I think, cultivating mindfulness and a practice of gratitude, 
you know, like we get trees. Amazing. Yeah. We get my body. I'm able bodied. Thank God. And I can speak to you. And that is an art form. This is insane. And we are a speck of dust floating through a multiverse of multiverses. And this planet just so happens to be self-sustaining and its own, you know, living, breathing system. And here we are. What? Yeah. I think really pausing, like you were saying, meditation is great for that. I know it's hard. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. I think meditation gets this like, it's glamorizing. Like, no, it's fucking hard. No, it's also. And I hate it. <laughs> well, because, yeah, it's like, uh, well, two things. I think, one, yes, it is difficult because your brain starts to run and you think you're bad at it. And it's like, no, yes. dude, it's just like, and I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not a, I, I don't really know how to meditate. I'm not here to tell people how to meditate, but it's like, it's a difficult thing. It's, mm-hmm. Your brain runs. You don't really do a lot of quiet stuff. Um, but also, like, uh, like um, it doesn't have to be, like, sitting. It can be... <laughs> Oh, dancing it can yes. be whatever that shit that kind of gets you into the zone like yes. that's like the for me it's been like pretty intense like workouts where i'm like i cannot think externally mm-hmm. i can only think in my brain because if i don't like i'm gonna probably vomit so i have to focus up or like to try and do the next thing <clears throat> and then improv like in the stage yeah. like those two things where it's like i'm literally like here i'm i'm only i'm only here like in my physical yeah. i'm not anywhere else and so it's like I leave improv shows feeling mm. cleansed in those workouts, you know, partially because it's like a physical exertion, but like, so um, I had this, uh, have this conversation with my boss, feel completely discombobulated, and I ended up just like trying, like I was, my brain was going everywhere, and it's like, I gotta return, and so I ended up like just doing like physical shit, like did some jump rope, and kind of paced a little bit, and I felt like, it, you know, it's, it's, I was still a little frustrated, but it began to like sort of, bring me back to earth a little bit and it's like yeah those little things kind of work for me to just kind of yeah I mean it can look like however you need it to right I have like some clients are like I'm not going to sit and meditate I'm like well when do you feel most present for me it was improv that's how I learned that that was the start of my whole journey it was like like you said I would you know because if you're not listening on stage you miss it and then you walk into a room through a door that wasn't there you know or whatever uh, and can't remember people's names or like the scene doesn't go anywhere. So I had to really cultivate presence through improv and then being mindful of the space. But, you know, it could look like cooking. I have a client who's super anxious, but like really loves to cook. And when we t- tease through that, it's because she's just, when she's cooking, she's not thinking about anything else. Yeah. And yeah, it can look like anything. And then just letting that settle into your body. Like, where do you feel that in your body? And the more you work that muscle, like at the gym, the better you become at it, I think. Or mm, I guess I I shouldn't say better. Like the more aware you become, the more mindful you become. Yeah. And I also think our world is set up or modern day society is set up in a way that likes to keep us distracted. You know, it likes to keep us on this hamster wheel. And I think we all feel best correct me if i'm wrong here when we're like this just having a deep sense of community being able to like look at each other and just talk like i haven't looked at my phone in an hour great good i don't need to um it just feels nice to just be present yeah i think the way things are set up is we really aren't 
Yeah, and it's like a, it seems like a, a willful choice to not, like, see the light. Like, I've been very, when my friends are over, I, I want to be pretty cognizant of not messing around on my phone. Mm. I, like, want to do a better job when I go home to not, like, I'm home for a few hours. Like, do I need to be on my phone? Probably not. You know, the like, if anyone's going to call me for an emergency, like, I think you, I'd want my phone like, because it's my parents, but if I'm already there, then, like, yeah, you know, I don't really need my phone, so I want to be better at that, but, like, yeah, it feels way better. Mm. It's, like, wait, but it's, like, but then I also will, like, the moment I come back to my apartment, just, like, watching TV, I'm now fucking around on my phone, <laughs> yeah. and it's, like, what am I doing here? Mm. Like, why am I doing this to myself? It doesn't feel good. I mean, for a little bit, it does, but then it's, like, just keep clicking, scroll, and it's, like, why are we, why? And I think part of that, that's the same, like, pause for a second. Yeah. Like, take us, like, like <clears throat> I've set up a no social media Wednesday for myself. Yay. And it's mostly just, like, Instagram or just, like, just scrolling through that and not even YouTube because even YouTube becomes, like, you can just read all the thumbnails. Like, so... I'm going to spam I you on Wednesdays now. <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> I've actually once told a friend, hey, bro, I can't click this today because it's nice. Wednesday. Um, but then, you know, it's like, I don't even need it ask me i should have just responded (laughs) to the video it was just me wanting to really tell him (laughs) um and finding the perfect excuse to be able to do that um but for like uh i feel like a month and a half i didn't go on instagram just was like keeping you on my phone but i'm not gonna click because it's Mm. just too much there's like over stimulation that i don't need um i also don't really care about other people's thoughts about anything (laughs) really Mm. like just i don't really go on facebook because it's just like i don't really it's a trash pit well i yeah it's like yeah whatever but um but after not being so not doing instagram for like a month and a half what it became was just i would just scroll through youtube like i do instagram it's like <laughs> oh i've just replaced this yeah. one thing for this other thing it's giving them you know it's giving me the satisfaction of feeling like i'm doing something but it also is giving me the same like overstimulation that is unnecessary yeah i i've learned too in these retreats that I, I always leave them having so much clarity and f- and having a ton of ideas, like creative ideas. And I think it's because I'm taking a big pause. And um, when there's constantly information coming in, I'm just bombarded with thoughts all the time. And I think we're, we need that. Like, we need to be bored just as much as we need to create, I guess. Um, yeah. It's hard though, like take to take a mental inventory of how often we check out. Oh, I bet it's all the time. I know I do. I mean, just yesterday by Fridays, I'm pretty brain dead, like just because I've been with clients all week and I just like emotionally have and mentally have nothing left to give. And I was like, I just want to read. I just want to sit in my bed and read for the rest of the night. But I ended up scrolling through Instagram for like two hours looking at nothing yeah i didn't learn anything there were no takeaways from that like what was i doing nothing and and an activist friend of mine said recently if you ask people how they spend the majority of their free time they probably really can't tell you because it's like netflix or social media or and like think about what all the things we could do if we were intentionally using that time and not to produce like we don't always have to be producing things but just really be with our thoughts or each other or I don't know I think I feel like we're so disconnected in so many ways and maybe that's why yeah yeah 
That that was something when I came back, I had this, I felt like the retreat was great. The dark was really, really powerful for me. I did not plan well for the reintegration into society. I got off the plane at O'Hare and I had this whole like unraveling where I was like, no, 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 no. Like what is lights, the people, how much time did you have from when you left the cave to when you uh, came back? I stayed for another week. So I was on the property and, and, and I actually didn't stay in silence. I like went to um, this little village and grabbed like pizza with a friend and, um, and did some like ecstatic dance type stuff. But but actually, where that retreat is, it's it's so removed from the grid. There's no advertising. There's no neon signs. There's no you know like we're literally in the jungle, and so at O'Hare, I was like, what the fuck? Like I was outside waiting for my friend to pick me up, and like all I can see is buildings, trains, cars, like no nature at all. And I was just like, I, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you like came from another planet yes to this foreign planet yeah for sure and and actually i realize i i start to get sick i've you know i i shared with you a few years ago like i have lyme disease but i notice that i get really really sick when i'm disconnected from nature so during covid i went out to colorado for a few months to crash my brother's couch because he was off doing research in alaska and i just hiked a lot while i was out there just was in nature and I came back and honestly even just driving back into Chicago I got this like oh my body doesn't feel good you know like yeah. what's happening and every toll booth I got closer I was like no 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 it's happening like I can feel myself sliding back into this old like my body gets rigid my thoughts kind of there's a like a like driving from my sister was down to she went to school in Carbondale, just coming back up. Like you, it, there's feels to be this. Like the <laughs> yeah. more you get into the city, it just becomes like tighter and tighter yes. and tighter. You can feel the squeeze. And even if I'm gone for like three days, it's yeah. like, oh, the drive, like people are driving fast or whatever it is. It's just like, there's more of us and it just becomes yes. like this thing. And it's, I mean, there's a part of it that's beautiful. I love being able to see mm. the skyline, but it's just that like, yeah, that, that I've, I've, I don't know if I have the same sort of hypersensitivity, but it's definitely like, oh, this, you know it feels different. The air feels... Yeah. It, to me, it feels like a lot of condensed, like, energy. I even just feel it when I walk out of my apartment. Like, people are out, but they're out for a reason. Everybody has a mission. Like, everybody's doing something to get somewhere from point A to point B to... Yeah. Like, you know, in these indigenous communities, it's like, we're just here. We're like, yeah, we farmed or whatever, you know, did what we could to feed ourselves and... Now we're just chilling <laughs> with each other. Were you um, like raised in openness or like where were you raised? Mm, so I grew up outside of Nashville, about 20 minutes outside of Nashville in a very small, pretty poor town called Dixon. And yeah, I mean, I lived in like at my dad's, we, I lived in a neighborhood, but we had a big yard and, you know, could run around and play. And my mom's, we had a lot of land, or I guess my stepdad had a lot of land. And so, yeah, I would wander around and, like, play in the woods, and there was a pond that I would go mess around in. And So I grew up, yeah, I mean, Tennessee is really beautiful. It has rolling hills and a lot of nature, and um, I didn't, yeah, I, I guess I would say I was kind of out in the country, yeah. sticks, we would call it. Um, 
and I always wanted to move to a big city. So I was, you know, when I moved to Chicago, I was like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. I did it. I get to ride on the L. <laughs> so, but as I get older, and I think, too, the more I really tune into myself, I, I really need to be, I just need some solitude. Like, to, when I'm in nature, I feel better. So, I don't know. I, I have a lot to th- really think about. Of like, as you were saying earlier, like, how do I want to live? Like, what does it look like for me now? It's nice to, like, the freedom to be able to kind of, I think, like, decide that. You know, we don't control whatever, anything. But it's, like, I get to think about those things. I get to, like, really be, like, yeah, you said earlier, like, does this serve me? Like, that's a fucking sweet, it's a nice place to be, and it's uncomfortable sometimes. Like, you know, but, like, yeah, it's really nice. Or for me, it is. For me, it is. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I also just realized, too, like, the privilege that comes with that for me, like at least like that I get to choose that I literally could go somewhere during a global pandemic and like get off the grid. And yeah. that is like privilege, you know, uh, cause people, a lot of people can't sure. and to have the choice, like I'm not stuck in a refugee camp right now waiting for a piece of bread yeah. or, you know, stuck in a war zone with no way out or passport or have lost my livelihood or my language and my culture. Like, I'm not in Texas right now, you know, where they're... My, my buddy uh, lives down there. Um, I have some family down there too, but so he was saying, uh, so he's a fireman, and mm. uh, they were staying with some friends um, for a few days, but he was saying at the station they didn't have any, uh, like, water, electricity for a while, so they were pooping in bags. I was like, that's fucking... Wild. On the same day he said that, we landed on Mars, and I was like, this fucking world... Yes. Life is crazy, because those <sighs> seem like two pretty direct extremes of like (laughs) pooping in a bag wow right i mean it's insane and that it doesn't have to be that way right like we've done this to ourselves and and then our most vulnerable populations suffer yeah what are we doing yeah also thank you to your friend who's a firefighter he's (laughs) i Uh, yeah, yeah, you're talking about that privilege. It's like, I, I think you are a, um, pretty shining example of like what to do when given an opportunity mm-hmm. of like, you know, with humor for hope and, and, and all the stuff you guys do with that, like be able to take this like vision and sight that you've had and then turn it into something that obviously serves you, but like the, through the people or whatever you know it's like both the the people you are helping and you yourself are like both winning in this opportunity and it's like that's what you should do with the privilege it isn't like like even the term white privilege it's like i don't think that like privilege is a bad thing it's just like using that to do fucked up stuff that's the negative but to be like privileged in a position for my for me to be in the position i came in is I'm privileged, man. Like, mm. you know, good family. My parents worked hard so I could fucking kick it. And, like, it'd be a waste if I use that privilege. Yeah. To, and, you know, I obviously have a lot of fun um, and, like, live life. But it's like I want to do something with it. I want to make something of myself to sort of validate my parents, help them, help myself. And then whoever I can help along the way, whatever that means, and I don't even know yet. It's like that's what the – I think use your privilege. Just use it, like – 
to let use it because that's why it was given to you. Like it isn't to be a dick or whatever, like use it to hold the power or leverage over people and fuck over people. And at least intentionally, you know, I'm sure. I don't know. I can't go. I don't want to intentionally harm people. Sure. Or like make their life worse. You know, I want to try and if I can make it better. Yeah. That's such a good point. It's like, I think I agree. It's how do you use your privilege? Like, are you going to use it to hoard things and maintain power and, you know, accumulate wealth? Or are you going to hold the door open for other people and help lift other people up and access their own, you know, power? Yeah, that's, I think that's it, really. Like, that's the key. Um, How do we hold the door open for each other? And humor for hope, you know, I think I was telling somebody this this morning. I, I think, you know, I was, so 2014, it was, it became official. So what was that, seven years ago? Yeah, seven, eight. So I was... I have to count backwards on my fingers. <laughs> it was like 24-ish. And and I started it a little bit before that. I mean, I was young. I didn't know what I was doing, right? And and it I think it was well-intentioned. I left the kind of acting and comedy community because I've really f- kind of had this unraveling and felt really self-righteous and um, or self-indulgent, I should say. Like, come, come watch me. Come to my show. Like, come see me be funny. Let me tell you how to be funny. Like, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> oh, cool. So I should, I'm going to stop promoting my shows. <laughs> no. 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 Every post of mine is go listen to my podcast. Go listen. Just change. tell people don't. Don't listen <laughs> to my show. Don't come. <laughs> but, I mean, even with Humor for Hope, I... I was doing it out of I, one. I saw a need in the hospital with these kids. You know, you've seen it. Like, yeah. it literally is like solitary confinement in a lot of ways. I think, and it's sad and lonely and depressive. And um, so I saw a need, but there was also a time when I when I felt like I was the face of it in a way. Like, well, I have to maintain this certain kind of composure or or show up a certain way, or I have to have it all together, or, like, you know, what do people think about me? And I started a nonprofit. I'm like, who gives a shit? <laughs> who cares? Anybody can start a nonprofit. But now I really see it as, and that's part of why I went into this dark retreat. It's like, is this right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this me trying to control the narrative and say this is what I have to do? Or am I really listening and being guided of, like, what's my calling to reference Joseph Campbell a little bit. And am I going to answer the call? And and it, the downloads I got was, yes, this is it. Here's how you need to do it. But I've learned with, I guess, age and time and a tiny bit of wisdom. Is, it's not about me. It, this is not about me at all. And, like, to center myself in it takes away from all of it, right? Like, to to just offer up the gifts that improv and, and therapy and, um, those two things together can give the world or gift the world. Like that's my job. And yeah, I think it's getting out of my own way a little bit, or as Ram Das would say, like becoming nobody. Like It is what it is. I, this is just what's moving through me and I'm going to share it. And who, if it helps, if certain people take things from it, great. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I could just hole up in my apartment all day and make funny jokes and like laugh with myself. <laughs> yeah. I prefer to see some good come from it. What? Yeah, it seems like there's this, uh, yeah, it's like always, I mean, not always, but your starting humor for hope seemed like that was in you and mm. just been this like, yeah, channeling further or just understanding better. Like, so you, there was a part of you that wanted to like figure out if this shit was for real. Like you really had your heart in it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it is my baby. Like yeah. it is my passion. I come alive when I get to work on the humor for hope stuff, which is part of the problem because I'm, I'm working in the mental health field, which I am so grateful for. And I am, you know, very privileged in that way to be working right now and making a living and helping people, but, or helping people help themselves. But humor for hope is what I want to do. Like, I love it so much. And part of what I was trying to get clarity around was, is this right? Like, is it me trying to force it? Or is this actually what I'm supposed to be doing? And, um, I, I'm really trying to transition out of more of the clinical work and into the act, more activists like humor for hope work because it's where I'm supposed to be when I'm not, I get sick. So like last night I went to bed at six o'clock after seeing clients all week. Cause I was like, I feel so sick and I have nothing left to give. But this morning I'm in a workshop centered around humor for hope and I'm like alive. So yeah, I mean, I also got all these downloads and like we partnered with, um, some indigenous women in Guatemala, you know, and that was really cool. I would have never put that together myself. It just kind of happened organically. And yeah, it's, it's, um, I, it's, I'm being led, you know, at this point. So it's, I was told in my vision, like this is the year, get out of your own way and let it grow. Cause I've been holding it back. And, and part of me holding it back is I didn't know how to ask for help. And I couldn't dedicate enough time to it. You know, I was trying to do it like 15% of the time on weekends, you know, or rushing to the hospital on a Wednesday night for two hours. And now it's like, hey, put together a new board, bring people on, ask for help, hire some teaching artists, like do this thing. If you're going to do it, I was like, oh, damn, (laughs) I guess I have to do it. (laughs) These cloudy visions have told me I have <laughs> yes. to do it, and they're going to find me because yes. there's no door that they can keep follow them. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also just think, too, like if we're just speaking kind of like present day, logically, uh, more people, I think now than ever, are so aware of trauma and how it affects the body and are aware of mental health and uh, just what people have gone through in the past year with the Black Lives Matter, you know, movement and George Floyd and and COVID and death and dying and grief and loss and just kind of an unraveling as a society. I think there's a, we're at a really important juncture of like, this could really take off, you know, like laughter is so healing and so is crying and we do both, you know, in our workshops. So I hope. I hope these spirits are right, motherfuckers. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah, they're actually going to be my next guest <laughs> after you leave, so we're going to really figure out what they're real. I just peel real. my face off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking cool. I'm like, oh shit, I'm on shrooms. Um, uh, yeah, you, you're talking about like this, it seems like a time where something can really um, transition. Mm. It's interesting. Like I've, 
not that I've been studying the 60s and the 70s, but kind of looking back, it seems like the 60s and the 70s were a really interesting time in American history where, like, there was a lot of shit happening. There was, like, these the, the drug movements, the hippie movements, the, the black liberation mm. movement sort of heightened, and then all these leaders getting fucking murked everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, right around that time, it's like, are we on the cusp of something? And mm. then did it get stomped no. out yeah yes. and it's like how do you know it didn't really die like it's still there yeah. like there is this like smoldering ember it just feels like it's fucking ablaze right now it's like the it can be used like in a really cool way there's a lot of interesting potential um and I think it's always a personal choice. Like you have to make that change inside if you want to ride with this or do you want to say, no, this is not real. We don't need to change what's happening. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. Shh, shh, shh. Or do you listen a little bit to the unrest and the unsettling of yourself and of the world and be like, well, why are we reacting? I thought the world was super cool over the last 30 years. No? Oh, okay. Mm. And now we're hearing it and like, yeah, it's cool, you know? And, and um, I mean, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, you know, if we survive for another, if I around for another thirty years to look back, like, was this the, 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 did the switch flip or whatever, or was it just another, like, do we just return back to like, not things are cool, everyone just don't worry about yeah. it, I'm here, yeah, we're good, like, I don't need like a Superman. It's like I, you. We all need to realize we are this yes. Superman. Yes. Because yeah, once uh, Superman's a fucking a liar. He can't fix everything. <laughs> right. He can't. Right. That's the, that's also, the lie we've been told for the past however many years. Also, that Superman breaks buildings. Right. Like, they destroy buildings to, you know, like. It's also a white man telling us he can save us all. You know, I don't mind it that much. That I've, had a, I've had a brown man. My dad tell me what to do for years, <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> right. I love a white man to tell me what to do. <laughs> You're right, though. There's this quote by, I think, Thich Nhat Hanh, an amazing Buddhist teacher. He said, the next Buddha will be the Sangha, which is the group. And saying, like, as a collective, we will be, if we choose to kind of rise together, the next kind of our own savior, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I feel you on what you just shared. Like, will we slip back into the old? I feel like, I do feel like we're kind of in the middle of this turning, like, well, which way are we going to go? Just last night, for the first time, I guess, in, since COVID in Chicago, I was like, I want to, I think I can go to a coffee shop. I'll call them and see if they're open. And I, I said, they're like, yeah, we're open. And I said, can I sit and do work? Like, can I stay? And they were like, yeah, you can. And I went in and it was so awkward. Like, it was just so bizarre. And kind of like everything was off kilter and disjointed and I it made me sad actually where I was like what are we doing is this what it's what's it gonna be like after this and I also think about all those kind of videos I saw in the beginning of COVID of like dolphin dolphins returning to the canals in Italy and like old growth forces actually getting to grow and like bees coming back a little bit or yeah. pollution going down and I don't know I I think I would love to hear your thoughts. Like there's a part of me that thinks like, yes, yeah, some people would rather go to sleep and not face it because it's probably going to be very difficult and maybe or just really hard at points, but to face ourselves. But there's also a part like of, of just me that feels like I can't go back. 
I can't go back to the way things were. Like, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm there with you. I feel like it's a, like now that I've seen the unicorn, I can't like <laughs> see it. And you know, whatever that unicorn is, just like I don't know, different understandings of the way things are, understandings of myself. It's like no, I can't go back to that. Mm. Um, and I get the comfortability stuff. You know, I think that's like I mean, isn't that we all? I want to be comfortable. I think we all do for the most part. It's just there's like an asleep comfortability that like I've had some interesting conversations with my dad about like even political stuff and it's like man i don't think i can support either party if like both still regardless of what they tell you they love you versus they hate you it's like they still want to like blow up people in other countries and that seems a little weird for me and so like yes you know like sure getting donald trump out of the office is good Mm. great you know cool but the alternatives that are being presented to us don't seem that great now you know a little bit of stability is probably good but the concern is like stability that silences and and makes people be like oh cool or is it like hey man still kind of doing some wild shit and maybe that's the like mission of their whatever it is that's a part of what they do and it seems weird for me to want to be super excited for this person who is a part of a machine Mm. that has that as one of their missions now not to downplay the other things that they can do and uh, you know the calming of verbally saying racist rhetoric is not good or that i mean that is good <laughs> the calming of the not saying it public racist stuff publicly is good but does that mean that it's fixed it right and and so it's like i've seen that i've come to understand that now so what do you want me to now not see that and say oh okay i guess this is better but it's like no but i think there's a better i think there's yes. a better than this and I'm not saying I'm the one that's going to do it, but what if we all, like I told a friend, a buddy of mine, and I don't think that, I don't know if this is the right solution, but one of the buddies was like, you know, why is, doesn't a third party rise up? Or like, mm, why yeah. do we just keep accepting this system? And I was like, what if for some reason everyone decided not to vote? What if 300 million people or however many hundred million people said, you know, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I think that would force people to do stuff. I think a company's would stop making whatever if you stop buying it they yes. they die and they disappear yes. and then something new rises up and that's not that it's comfortable but like what if we understood that we actually are uh, have power <laughs> we uh, people we are the fucking buddhas yes. as you said yes. so like what are we doing why are we acting like not that yeah why do we not think that we have the the power and the control and you know these like like I just watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Ah, uh, I saw it too. Fucking good, but Amazing. like, what happens when you begin to tell people that they don't need shit or don't like make the system work for you? Like, it's yeah. a dangerous game we play, and it's a personal. When you decide, like, are people going to want to go back to being comfortable or not? It's like it's kind of it doesn't feel good to be sad. Mm. Like it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm just like pacing but i'm hoping that it's trying to understand myself better so sitting in that feeling a little bit and like what if we all did that together what if we made people serve us like in a way that like and isn't their belief like you know like i think i was actually i've been thinking about this a lot recently and i was telling a friend this but like i think we need religion and i don't mean like specific one really um, other than Hinduism, because it's the greatest. But uh, <laughs> I don't think we need a specific one, but I think we need something that, like, guides us, because what happens when we aren't guided yeah. by our main thing? We are guided by other people's purpose, mm. and that's 
seems dangerous. And so I don't like that spirituality thing. Like, I think that's why I've been tapping into some of these like more spiritual things. Cause it's like, I think I'm trying to figure out what my God is. And I don't know what that is. You know I mean? It's love or whatever the fuck it is. Like what is at the top of my, to bring in like a psychological thing? Like what's at the top of my dominance hierarchy? Like what's the thing that actually drives me? And I'm trying to figure that out. And you know, I want to, I want to assess if I have the right thing at the top, like raised under my parents and, sure what their god was is good but i need to figure out is it for me because maybe it isn't or maybe it's some version of that like i I don't want to like forget how i was raised ever you know because that's right it also led you to where you are now absolutely it's a it's a necessary component but i do need to figure out like what's my thing yeah like because the the danger becomes then you're fucking storming the Capitol because yes. you think this is the purpose. And you know, like they probably did or they're insane. I don't know. But like you're doing something because you think that's the right thing. And yes. it's like, really dude, or whatever it is, you know, whatever cause you're fighting for. Like, I remember I, I, I told a friend, I was like, I think human for hope has been one of those first organizations where it's like, I would actually be comfortable putting like a bumper sticker on my car <laughs> or like a thing on oh. my window. Cause it's like, this is a real, seems like a genuine oh. Um, organization, you know, Thanks. it's like those, th- oh, you're, oh, thank you. Um, it's like, those are those things where it's like, that feels real. I've discovered it myself. Um, and some of these other, just, they feel like other, they feel like someone else's whims and I am doing it for them. It's mm. like, no, that's, and I've seen, I've done the work and had the benefit. And for whatever reason, I'm able to do that of like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know yet. It doesn't feel right. And yeah, that's. I feel you a thousand percent on, on everything that you just shared. I, I agree. Like, I think the first time I ever heard this term, the sleeping giant, like that meaning all of us people, like the little man, like we are the sleeping giant. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? That makes so much sense to me. And I think, I mean, it feels like we have been, awoken and what are we going to do with it and you're right i think i was i was talking with a friend about this back when uh, you know a lot of the protests were happening like i know there are some amazing leaders within the black lives matter movement and and you know doing awesome phenomenal work on the ground but there's so many there's so many and we're also disjointed like it felt a little directionless at times. And I was asking friends, like, why are we not, like, I, when I watched um, uh, the Fred Hampton movie, like, they had a reading list, you know? I thought that was amazing. Like, you have to read all these books for the first two weeks before you can even kind of join. And part of the work that we do is helping each other and, you know, having daycares and feeding each other and, you know, linking up with other with other groups and really kind of this improv thing, like having each other's backs, like, whoa, when we do that, we are probably unstoppable. But I also feel like we're so distracted in so many ways. Like with the Joe Biden thing, I too feel that, and I'm speaking to myself here too, just as much as I'm speaking out, like already taking my foot off the gas a little bit. And I was one of the ones being like, we can't take our foot off the gas, you know? And I was like, for a day, gave myself like to thank God that Trump is gone. Although I think, you know, as you said, this is not the solution because it's still problematic with Biden. And like, why do we, why can we not reimagine and recreate a new or create a new system? Yeah. And then I got lazy because like, I haven't 
watch the news at all. I try not to, but why am I not still pushing? Like if I'm not, then who else isn't right? Like, and it is kind of this tactic of like, then we go back to sleep and I do have this fear with COVID. Like as we come back online and the world comes back alive a little bit of like, are we just going to jump back into the way it was? Oh, there's such an opportunity right now. Yeah. And I don't know how, like, how do we do that? Is that, I don't think it's one leader. I think like, how do we come together as an, a collect, as a collective and inspire each other? I've been thinking a lot about the protests happening in India, like, or, or the protests that were happening in China right before COVID, like that affects all of us. Like what's happening there is also happening here in certain ways. People here in Portland, you know, everywhere silenced protesters, silenced, like the farmers here, like it's not good, you know, monocropping and monoculture and all this stuff is like not good. It's people are getting, people are suffering. So we need to pay attention. Like how do we all come together on a global scale and like shift this? Yeah. I have no idea. I, th- I don't know what the answer is, but I, I feel like when people ask, my answer is always like, you got to do some shit with yourself. And I'm not telling yeah. you that because yeah. you know that. But like, I can't, I can't fix everything. Yeah. I can yeah. fix myself. I can, I can talk to friends who are like, not to talk to only people who think the way that I do, but like talk to people who are like, I'm trying to fucking figure my shit out, man. Yeah. Like that's the, 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 the type of community I want. Cause I feel like it becomes like this spiral. Cause then it just becomes like, mm. I was even just talking to my parents after watching that Fred Hampton movie. I was just talking to my parents about the black Panthers and it's like, they were kind of asking me questions. I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool, yeah. you know? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know really what the fuck I'm talking about. I mean, I've read a book and I watched a movie <laughs> and I read some Wikipedia page. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out too, but it's like, it's cool. Like, yeah, yeah let's talk about this man. And then if anyone else wants to have a conversation, I'd love to, you know, and engage in that. And the hope is, you know, I think the, there has to be a willingness to listen, I think, mm. from people because it's like, and if you don't want to hear it, you're not going to hear it. I mean, that's the parents tell you that all the time. It's like, why do you not listen to me when I tell you? It's like, <laughs> I wasn't fucking ready to listen to it. I'm four. Right. Right. Trying I to party, there dude. Yet. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I didn't know that I couldn't jump off the top of that, <laughs> right. like, ledge. Like, I watched a video of my, um, my, my uh, friends. They have, a, like, a daredevil of a baby. Um, she's like a year and a half and just, she's a fucking wild card. Like she just climbs up everything, doesn't give a shit. They show, they sent me this picture. She had like fallen off of something and she had a bruised eye and she was just like sitting there. Like she looked sad, but she was just kind of like, just looked like a gangster. It was such a, it was so adorable. <laughs> she's got chubby cheeks and her eyes were kind of puffy and she had like a, like a, a scar under her eye or some shit. It was fucking adorable wearing like a cute little baby dress, but um, in a onesie. Oh, so <laughs> she was, so this video he said, she's climbing on the ledge, like up on their window. And the mom is like, you're gonna fall. And she's screaming at, she doesn't speak yet. And she's yelling at the mom. It's like, yo, fucking let me, yeah, let me fall. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the mom's doing the correct thing. Cause then she's going to have to, um, uh, deal with that. Um, what the fuck was I talking about this baby? Oh, we got lost. Got lost in the sauce. Got lost in the God sauce. God damn it, dude. Wait, you were talking about Fred Hampton. Your parents were asking you questions. They said, this is kind of cool. Wow. It's there. It'll come back. What I, happened I, between I, Fred Hampton and, and the baby? The baby. <laughs> oh, my God. I really just, well, that sucks. Okay, well, it'll for you back. listening, it'll fill back. in your own gaps because <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> you tell us a story. I've been talking for a long time, dude. I can't fill in all the gaps for you. Why did I talk about baby freedom to explore? Taking risks. Damn, 
sucks, huh? I know. I, you said something too that I was like, hold on to that because that's good. Well, that's why this podcast is free because if <laughs> right. we just men and black each other, <laughs> memory erased. See ya. <laughs> well, yeah. Why would why if you want to pay for some shit where people remember the threads that they talk about, Damn. then you can pay for that shit. Damn, Daniel. Well, maybe that's a sign that we need to fucking cut it. <laughs> now you're going to think about it. The second I walk out of here, you're going to be like, oh, damn. And that's the joy of having your own podcast. You can always just add new episodes that's in, fair. new little qualifiers. I've remembered the that's thread fair. of that story. Damn. That sucks, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, lo I lost it. I was saying, what do we do? What do we create a new system? We need each other. She gone. She gone. <laughs> Damn. She go. Yeah. I really do. Cliffhanger. Re really do. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, I really do genuinely like. How do we get everyone to realize? I thought I was going to talk myself into it. I got it. Yeah. Well, I lost yours. <laughs> but I have the thing that. Yeah, good. <gasps> nope. Oh, you were saying uh, you think the answer is to work on yourself or the best answer you have is. Yeah. I agree because I was kind of witness, witness, thinking about this as I was witnessing the, you know, and a part of the protests and like hurt people hurt people, right? So I really had to sit with why are these police officers doing X, Y, and Z? Like what is their internal belief system that they have, you know, subscribed to in a way that it leads them to think that this is okay? And I had to think about it on both sides. Like, these people are suffering in some way or fearful or living in fear or something is going to be taken from them or, you know. But also I had to think about, I, I like to think about people as our, like, inner child. Like, what happened to you for you to choose this path? What was it that led you here? Yeah. And I think about a lot of, uh, like, what led them to become police officers? Was it that someone hurt them and they felt like this was a way, you know, they could protect themselves? Is it that, you know, like, I don't know what leads people to become activists. I had to really check myself on that. I would show up to some of these events and, and be so angry, like just in a rage. And I had to realize, like, I'm also perpetuating the problem here. Meeting somebody with anger uh, also kind of polarizes us. Like, we have to be able to talk and yeah. dialogue and listen, and um, I realized I was showing up as, like, my younger self, like, nobody protected me when I was little, so I'm showing up here in this space, and being like, fuck you, you know, like, you did this, like, whoa, wait a second, <laughs> I think we know, like, yeah, that reaction doesn't seem like the, I don't want to say the right reaction, but it's like, you know, when someone's aggressive to you in a normal situation, you're not yeah. gonna be like, chill, brother, it's good, it's gonna be like, <laughs> Fuck you too, man. Yeah, like, yeah. like even today someone parked in my spot and when I got here and mm -hmm. it was just like they were kind of double parked and this kid was on the, in the like passenger side sleeping and I knocked and he just like, I just woken him up from a thing and he <laughs> goes, yeah, I go, hey man, like, uh, you going to move this? And he goes, I don't know how to drive. And I was like, <laughs> he got you. I was like, uh, I don't need you to go that far. He goes, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> and then he said, I don't have a license. I was like, all right, brother whatever dude like <laughs> so then i found it, it it was uh they were just cleaning the building and they were just leaving mm. he was just like i just woken him up so he's giving me attitude and i was like 
I didn't, I didn't, I could have been, I guess, a little nicer. I mean, ultimately they moved and it's like, we know what happens when mm. people are aggressive towards us or mean to us. We, we, we retreat into our defenses and it's like, how, how does it, how would that ever work? How does yelling, and maybe it does, I don't know, but like, mm. it doesn't seem to ever, I'm not willing to be open to changing my mind about anything. If you're going to yell at me, I'm going to say you're wrong. I'm going to shut you out. Yeah. But also on the same, like, it's pretty difficult to be super chill when someone's being an ass. Like, it's not an easy thing. So if you want to come to a conversation with love, if the other person has a, a weapon of some sort, then you're going to probably bring a weapon. So yeah. it's like you need to, but what if we are like, how, how do we get people to be like, I got to approach this shit with love, man. Like, you know, that's like, I think with really close relationships, I think it's a really like, like my friends were really close to me. Like there's this, the, and there's an undercurrent of love always. So like they can kind of say whatever they want to me, but I, the the hope, my assumption, and I can't say I know what their intention is always, but like my assumption is that whatever they say to me is coming from a place of love. So they're mm. not trying to hurt me. And so I'm open. And even if it's something that makes me uncomfortable about, you know, whatever, it's like the, the hope is not to break me down to make me feel like garbage. It's to be like, I've you know, I've recognized something in you, you know, or you've asked me or whatever it is, but like, so if I can get that with my close friends, how do we kind of get that with complete strangers, people who have very opposing and what you might even completely disagree with? You know, yeah. there's very many opinions that I completely disagree with in people, but like even within my family members, but like maybe because we're a family, I love them or I just like, sometimes we just don't talk about it because it's like, you know, that's going to make me upset. And I know you're a pretty chill person. So let's just talk about whatever we connect on and then we don't have to worry about that other shit, you know? Um, how do you do that with like, you're at a protest or something where it's like you're standing directly across like basically your enemy at the beginning of a boxing match it's like yeah. how do you with a huge gun <laughs> i mean you can bring your own gun i guess too you know maybe you just don't have yeah, to use it yeah. but like yeah what do you how do you get people to be at this place of like i mean i think that's another personal thing it's like i don't know everything yeah i really don't i think i know things and they make sense to me but and i'll tell you about them i mean you know like i have a podcast so i can like express my opinions on things and hopefully it doesn't really come off as you should do this because like i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about but i want to enter i try and I, you know this isn't perfect always ever but like i want to enter every interaction with like i can learn something from you i want to talk about what i know and i want to talk about how i've gotten there and i want to hear about what you did um but the expectation is like you have the same openness like i can't just have an open conversation with someone who's like closed off because then it's like eh. We're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So how do you do that with like people? Like if you're at a, yeah, like someone who has a, whatever, like, I don't know, someone who hates Indian people or whatever. It's like, how are we going to even, yeah. Is like aggressive about it. Not like, Hey, tell me like, why do you hold these beliefs? First, yeah, I hear you. I, I think it's also, I mean, maybe that's a practice. I don't have the answers either. Like when I think about the kind of the spiritual teachers that I follow, and as I said, they're not religious. They're, they're so they have they live in this state kind of of like equanimity, and it's just they give a lot of thought before they speak. They take pauses, they really listen. Like, how do we do that ourselves? Like, as you were saying, how do we disarm each other with love and compassion? Yeah, that's tough. I think everybody's at a different place, right? And it, as you said, if if people if someone's not willing to listen, then hey, you're not there yet. So. I'm not going to waste my time, I guess. I don't know. And maybe it's working the mu the mindfulness muscle and um, walking through the world with just presence. Like, hey, I'm, 
I did it today too. This guy, I was trying to take a left turn and this guy tried to go around me on the left side. Like he couldn't wait two seconds for me to take a turn. It was right out here actually. (laughs) And my impulse was to be like, wait, fuck you, dude. And I just, I kind of caught myself and looked at him in my mirror and just was like, what's up? And he was like, gotta go. And we just kind of both did the like, what's up? And then he was like, go ahead. And I was like, thank you. Like, could have, you know, I could have responded in a really different way, but I don't know. It's, it's a, it is a practice. And I think we have to be willing to listen. It's, it's easier said than done. I do it too with my own family. Like I've really shut a lot of people out because I'm like, I don't vibe with what you, with, with the way you operate and move through the world. Like not doing that. Yeah. I also think that sometimes the highest form of compassion can be holding people accountable and so I've tried to share with them, like, hey, I can, I'm happy to talk with you about this, but if you're not willing to listen, there's not much more I can do. Yeah. So family's an interesting one because it's yeah. like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can cut them off, but it's like their family. That's like an <laughs> interesting connection to you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe not don't talk to the people that don't want to hear, but maybe right. there is something to that. Like, right. Maybe don't have to waste your time. Or like if it's, I mean, it's like, you know, if it's neg- negatively impacting me, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Like I can just do other stuff and yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's, I definitely try to be like chill and open. I mean, but yeah, I have my moments. I'm like, I mean, I want to like, you know, it's, I think it's about for me, it's like, how do I channel that frustration too? like, mm. instead of like, you know, screaming at people, can I put it into something else? Like something stupidly like jump rope and just get it out of my system. Cause it has to go somewhere. I'm frustrated. Yes. I'm angry. Yeah, you know it is what it is. But can I utilize that and turn it into something? Yeah, I always tell like kids that I work with um, when we're when I'm trying to you know work with them on emotions and feeling it and knowing what they're feeling and putting words to it and then embodying it. Like I always use the analogy of like we're like soda bottles. Like if you push everything down and let it build up, the next who's just like the next time you get shaken up, you're gonna explode at some point. And who's that going to help? Nobody. So we have to find ways to like slowly release it. Like, what are your release valves? Okay, let's do those. And and also, you know, like anger is a, is a, we need it. It's an important emotion that can often lead us if we learn how to stay with it in a healthy way to other things. Sometimes sadness, you know, oftentimes sadness lives below anger. And then, you know, to move through your sadness and like that is healing. That's all so healing. But I think we're so quick to, it, it's easy to externalize it, I guess. Yeah, or just like yeah, making those emotions negative. Don't be sad. Don't be yes. angry. Yeah. As opposed to like, I mean, it, how do you tell a kid like, hey, learn to integrate your anger. Like at a, you know, you're, <laughs> right. but like that's kind of what you're saying. I think those descriptions yeah. are really helpful. And it's like very simplistic where a kid can understand that. Too. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. And as you said, like, it lives in our bodies. Like, how do you let this energy move through you? How do you stay with it and then let it move through you? Is that jump roping? Is that, I used to work in an um, inpatient psychiatric hospital. I started out on the, the PEDS unit. And that is a, it was a dark place. Um, but so often when these. Is it in a cave? It was in a cave. Yeah, they were in a cave, yes. <laughs> we were all in a cave <laughs> meditating peacefully. <laughs> hallucinating <laughs> they weren't there as me <laughs> um 
but so often some of the some of the staff would be like go to your room you know like don't do that you know da, 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 da. and I was like this is what they're getting told all day every day in their lives that's why they're here so I would pull them out and be like what are you feeling right now and this one kid was just mad like get the fuck out of here like six and I just stayed and just kind of was gently trying to like direct him back to himself until finally he started crying and was just like I'm mad because I, whatever and I was like so what do you want to do with it and he was like what do you mean I was like how do you want to how do you, what do you want to do with this anger and I let him like I was, he was uh he wasn't sure so I was like well you want to beat the shit out of your mattress right now like let's do it and he did it and it was awesome like for him that was like yeah, yeah. and then every day he'd be like can I can we go do that <laughs> yeah of course it was powerful like that's when when I when we get blocked or stuck is whenever we I think probably lash out more at each other or project our own shit onto somebody else. I think so. Yeah, not a self awareness of why you're feeling the way that mm. you are. Like, uh, so these realizations I've been coming to about myself with dating are just sort of interpersonal stuff. Like, thirty three, and I just beginning to understand it. And I had like I was me and my friend broke it down when it was like loving family, good parents, all the stability, good job good friends, supportive friends, fucking the career, like, locked, personal life, like, things that are fulfilling improv, locked in, all this other shit, and here you are 33 years later finally coming to understand that. Now mm. imagine, like, people who don't have any of that. Like, what fucking chance do they have to even begin to understand, like, themselves? Like, it's fucking wild like th th that's basically like we're describing two different types of um, and you've worked in like in the probably that's any way more than i ever have but it's like it seems like it's like two different species of people yeah and like that world over there like my mom asked me something to the effect of like uh i don't even know how she worded it so i'm gonna paraphrase but just like basically like you know why do why would people want to like be in gangs or like why would they want to mm -hmm. kill each other and it's like i don't even know how to begin to explain that like it's basically like a completely different world like i I think the mistake is you think you would do anything different in that environment. Right. Like I am clearly a product. I mean, I am myself, but I'm clearly a product of my, yeah. what I, if I be put me in another situation, I'm going to be different. I'm not probably not going to like put me anywhere. I'm probably not just going to be like a 33 year old improvising pharmacist. Like right. I'm going to be whatever that environment kind of, you know, not solely made me be, but like significantly played a role. And yeah, it's just like, resources and tools can you give people like that are like you don't have anything like what the fuck is gonna happen mm. i had everything and it's still like still taking me a long time yeah. and i like that you know i think it's it's, it's it's exciting it's part of the journey to understand myself like you know be nice like i wish i knew everything but i don't know, I don't know if i want to know everything yet. i kind of <laughs> like it it's kind of fun i mean it's uncomfortable and it sucks balls sometimes yeah. but it's like feels good to be like oh i did this and yeah yeah, just interesting that when he when we kind of talked about it like that, I was like, God damn, that's fucking dark, yo. Like that is they're out with nothing. Yeah. They just gotta fucking survive and figure it out. Like that's kind of what we're all doing, I think, you know, it's just indifferent. Absolutely. I yeah, you're right. I mean, we have all we all have different lived experiences. Who am I to say that you should or shouldn't do something a certain way or that I would or wouldn't do something the same way or differently like but to to have no to have no awareness or understanding of 
why am I the way I am? Or what do I do with this? I mean, I see kids who come out of, you know, grew up in poverty and marginalized, oppressed communities who are angry. I moved units, then I worked with teens for a while, and like angry, so angry. Of course, yes, of course you're angry because you have to be out on the streets hustling to try to help your mom who works three jobs put food on the table for your siblings or... You know, you can't get, you have applied for jobs, no one will hire you, so you're out here doing what you have to do to survive, or, you know, but if we go deeper, like, where are you hurting? Who hurt you? What happened? Oh, man, people really, it's powerful stuff. And the the coping mechanisms that we come up with when we're left to our own devices are insane. Yeah. And brilliant, right? Like, well, you're the way you are because you probably trying to protect yourself in some way it was a survival skill that you came up with when you were six and it's worked until now and now it's this kind of maladaptive dysfunctional thing and you're like what do i do well you feel your feelings (laughs) easier said than done you're like what how do i do that yeah because i just numb out and just eat like a shit ton of oreos or smoke a pack of cigarettes or go out and drink or you know, like watch a bunch of porn or play video games all day or hole up in my apartment or like, what well, we do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we should teach this stuff in elementary school. You know, like what is, what are these emotions? What do we do with them? What is compassion? What is kindness? How do I show that? How do I express anger in a healthy way? How do I ask for what I need? I was saying that to someone the other day. We're redoing the board for Humor for Hope. We're like bringing on a new board. And someone asked me that I was kind of interviewing uh, to bring potentially bring on of like, well, why didn't you do X, Y, and Z with the old board? And I was like, honestly, I didn't know how to ask for help. I thought I had to do it all myself. So that's on me. Yeah. And now I know. Damn. <laughs> Took me 10 years to learn. But now I'm just like, hey, help, help, help me, <laughs> help me. Everyone's like, do it your fucking self. I know, self, they're like, yo. God, hope again. God. Yeah. She's so needy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there schools? I mean, there probably are schools. Is that happening in, like, early education? Uh, in some places, I, I think, in my opinion, not enough. Um, yeah, I know they have uh, social-emotional learning in schools quite a bit, which teaches this kind of stuff. But I also think, so Humor Humor for Hope got invited to partner with the Ohio Department of Corrections and their prison system. Holy shit. Yeah. And I know it's wild. And um, I wasn't sure how I felt about that, actually, because I think the prison system is problematic. But when I spoke to this woman who's very trauma-informed and really knows her, her stuff, she was like, we can set it up in a way that if the, they call them incarcerated individuals, if they complete the Humor for Hope program, then they get time off their sentence and they can get out early. And I was like, I will sign on for that. That's cool. Holy shit. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but we realized that it's not just the incarcerated individuals that could benefit from this. It's the staff. Like, what is it about staff that, allows them to be this person who shows up and has authority over this person and can beat them into submission if they, you know, like 
there's something there too. So it's, it has also kind of grown into this train the trainer thing. Um, which, you know, if we don't heal what hurts us, then we bleed on hands that had nothing to do with our pain, you know? So I, 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 now that I've, you know, work in this field, I really do see most people when I move through the world as little kids, or I try to, and I'm like, "Mm." how would I feel if this was their six-year-old self talking to me right now? I'd probably be actually really try to be kind and compassionate and meet them where they're at versus like, fuck you, dude, for trying to go around me. (laughs) We look at adults, like everyone is, see, I just burped, I think, into the mic. (laughs) You can blame it on me. <laughs> like, yeah, we're all these incomplete people with who haven't, who don't even know what the fuck we're doing, really, and, like, these thoughts and feelings and sort of, like, unchecked. Yeah, why? I, I like that approach. That's an interesting approach. Like, why not just kind of yeah, kind of give them the benefit of the doubt? Mm. To be, uh, well, how long have you been doing that for? Doing what for? Like, looking at people like babies. Little <laughs> <laughs> <Did a> baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're so cute, <laughs> you mean racist man. Oh, you're adorable. Let me poke you Get in, in your this belly. Bjorn and I'll carry you around. I had a tall friend in pharmacy school. He was like 6'3", and he was like, I want to put you in a baby Bjorn and carry you around. I was like, that sounds super fun, honestly, but I was like, that's going to like, that's gonna yeah. impact my feeling as like <laughs> yeah. a, a man. I can't that's like, I know I'm me. like, uh, yeah, I can't have my like ego like it'll be it'll be fun <laughs> yeah. be like woo but then it'll be like all right you have to let me know okay, I, i'm yeah. a grown-up man it's not fun anymore and, and yeah now now people are looking now they know <laughs> right. that i can be i don't need people to know that i fit in a baby bureau right my ego is taking a hit right now yeah yeah i don't know that it was ever a conscious decision it i think through through like working in the mental health field the more i learned about different approaches the more i started to just kind of like integrate these things and there's something called the uh, parts work or inner child work that I studied a little bit and then uh, has just kind of stuck with me. So I don't know. It kind of organically happened, I guess, where I'm like, hmm. I feel like that's not your present day self lashing out at me right now. Like for instance, I have a client, had a client who would show up in our sessions and like already be pretty like hostile and adversarial like already trying to fight me in these sessions and I was like what so I just as a way to kind of disarm this person I was just kind of like what what's happening here like I feel like when you come online and we start to like you show up every week which is something you want to be here but you're meeting me with this energy that's like hostile yeah. what is that and she, I mean she's very insightful and she was able to say, like, I actually don't know how to let people care about me. So when I start to feel love and compassion, I push away. And I'll come up with some sort of kind of thing to sabotage it. Well, that's really profound, you know? Like, one, I'm so glad that you... It's That's telling me you feel mm, love and compassion in this space, which is what I hope that it would be. But it's okay. You're safe here. Like you can stay. I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna fight you back. So you can thrash. You can whatever. And I'll still be here. I think that was a really kind of profound turning point for her. She was like, "Damn, 
did that person were they like like were they like what led them to that i guess if without divulging too much the the like meeting me with that and like yeah why did they anytime like what made when someone wanted to like show them love that like wall came up was that just a um, I think because when they were very young, they had, they were in an abusive relationship, like in, it was abusive family dynamics and they ended up having to kind of be the caregiver for their siblings. And so they would step in anytime something was happening to a sibling and, and become the one that just like took the, took all the pain and, um, and, and actually it kind of through that got twisted that like if if the parents were paying any attention, even if it was painful, that was love to her. So she was kind of meeting people with this energy of like, yeah, it was associating, I think, like hostility and pain with love. So if that makes sense. Yeah. That's so fucking wild how like things can just kind of yeah. turn and morph and become this thing that's like maybe felt like, made her who she was and protected her but Mm. was ultimately like really damaging and yeah it's good on her to finally like want to figure that out yeah i uh it's kind of funny but uh two years ago on my parents anniversary we went out to grab pizza at this uh, local place by our house and it was just the three of us and there aren't really too many moments where it's just me and my parents you know my house has like my aunt and my grandma and and then just other families will come but it's like very rare where it's just like me the four of us or the three of us and so it was pretty cool to have this dinner we got there my dad's like hey you want to order a pitcher of beer i was like yeah dude (laughs) i did i wouldn't have offered that but he was like yes i was like yeah fuck yeah let's get this (laughs) but we're we're sitting there having uh pizza at some point i was like you know you guys fucked me up and I didn't mean that as like a fuck you, I hate you. But we were talking about just like upbringing and what it creates. And I was like, you know, like I love the way that you've raised me, but it's just like I'm impacted by how yeah. I was raised. We were just talking about in general the like trauma or just like your upbringing impacts you today. And it's like you do these things and they were never, they were not like abusive or anything, but it's just like the, their actions because they're trying to figure it out too. They're in their thirties yeah. having kids and family and trying to navigate everything. And yeah. It's like, there's not, no manual. Like, no, that's how you do it. Never. And you know, they're trying to figure out their own selves and they're not like, Oh, I mean, they cared for me and loved me so much, but it's like, sometimes you just get you know, an argument. They don't know how that's impacting their child, um, like to whoever. Um, but it was interesting because they like, listen, they weren't like, fuck you. How dare you? It was like kind of cool. Mm. And I said it cause I thought it, the wording kind of made me laugh. Um, uh, but like, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, there's all these things that just like really impact you and like kind of going back to like, what do we, how do we should look inward? It's like every, things have impacted you significantly and they're, they're making you act a certain way. Mm. Because, you know, the, there's like heightened versions of that, but there's everybody has something that like, if you don't ask like, why is this making me react this way? It's like, and you're, you have, why not do that? Yeah, I, I always kind of think about it as like we are blank canvases, you know, when we're born. I mean, actually, we're not because our parents, if they don't work on their shit, then it gets projected onto us and, you know, yeah. we become that. But um, but but everybody else's stuff gets splattered onto us. And then we spend, you know, a lifetime of doing our own work, hopefully of like peeling back the layers, like what's there without everybody else's stuff. I, I it. I mean, I'm still doing it too. For a long time, I couldn't figure out why I had trouble making decisions on anything. I just could not never make a decision. And I would always, like, it didn't bother me, but it was just always kind of like, yeah, whatever you want. I don't care. If I cared, I would say, but I don't care. Like, whatever you want, truly. 
And I remember somebody asked me, like, why do you do that? I don't know. And through therapy, it was able to uncover that, I mean, my parents divorced when I was very young. I was two. And so I was always going back and forth. And whenever I was at a new household, I just wanted to, like, kind of blend in, you know, because it was like I was going into a new environment. And so I would always just try to blend in and do whatever they were doing. So in my adult life, I was still doing that. Like, yeah, whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want to do. I was like such a shapeshifter and chameleon and still am, I think, in a lot of ways. But now I know why. And I can catch myself if I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, why did I laugh at that joke that wasn't actually funny? I'm scared of every joke that I've ever said, <laughs> including that one. <laughs> I'm laughing. <at> <laughs> Thanks, audience. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You've been real silent for the last few hours, but thank Thanks, you for guys. letting us know that you're here. For hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> this room is packed full. <laughs> I watched a Takashi 6ix9ine video recently, or new, packed full, full of butts and colorful hair and boobs. I was like, this is wild. Why do I know Takashi 6ix9ine and I cannot picture it in my mind, right? He has 6ix9ine all over Rapper. his body. Yep. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got so it. That's oh, he was the narc. Right? He ratted some pe- He rolled on some people. Maybe. Okay. Don't know. Yeah, right, I think so. Right. I don't know the Takashi story. He's out now. Okay. Jail. Damn. Trolling okay. MFs, making crazy videos. Good luck, bro. <laughs> My first Stay thought safe. was like, did everyone get COVID tested to do this music video? <laughs> no. It looks fun. I want to do that too. I want to be in a pool with people not wearing that many clothes and tattoos all over my body. And that seems like a great ass time. It's like, mm. Maybe. I don't know what he's about. That's fair. You can assume a narc won't get COVID tested. I, I can share that my friends that are in the music industry that have been still producing and creating have all been COVID testing like daily to do that what they do. I don't know if that is for how it is for Takashi, but any of them working on Takashi's videos? <laughs> Not that I'm music. aware of. <laughs> but I am confused. Like when I read this thing about now we need to double mask or it's highly recommended that we double mask. Yeah. And then like the next day Lori Lightfoot was like, we're going to open up restaurants to 40% capacity. I was like, I, I, I'm very, I don't understand. Yeah. Or like when I traveled to Guatemala, which I mean, I had to get COVID tested and go through all this stuff before in the airport, you know, it's like social distance, six feet, stay away. Some people are wearing all kinds of masks and, I guess in some countries you're required to wear a face shield too now and all kinds of stuff. But the plane was packed full. Three people, like people in every seat. And I was like, um, so <laughs> how does this work? Yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. No, it's very, con- I mean, I guess it's, yeah, it's confusing. There's a lot of different things. And I think that's totally. like, you know, that's part of the like, con- not intentional confusion, but that's like part of it. It's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do in all of this, dude? Like, yeah. like my YouTube right now is basically... liberal and 50% conservative. And I've seen videos where it's basically the same video and it's like two different titles. Like it was like uh, T.I. owns Candace Owens and then it's like Candace Owens owns T.I. And it's like, well, what the fuck is real? Who owned who? Wow. I'd like to know who got like, and so, but if I, if I, if I latch myself to that, then it's like, I'm going to be forever. Totally. I remember learning about this um, institute called the, the Tavistock Institute. And they were, to my knowledge, I could be wrong here, one of the first places back, back in the 1940s, I think, who 
or the first, they were working around the first and second world war using propaganda to sway people and went like created these huge campaigns and this institute now operates in the kind of the mental health realm where they teach you about um, mind control and I fell into such a hole with that because I was like what like everything we watch is programming us in some way everything yeah and how do I actually know what's real and I mean that's part of the reason we went to Syria Katie and I well that's part of the reason I went is because people were saying like this is happening over there and x y and z and I was like I don't actually know that I can I know what I see on television but I don't know if I can trust that or believe that or yeah I have to go see it for myself and it was different yeah I guess it I guess too like the, the way we view the world through our childhood also plays into it right like when I'm in a trauma state of mind I see everything as a potential threat mm-hmm. or danger like in the cave like when I was like ah, ah, ah. then I was like there's probably spiders in here there's probably like ah, ah, just freaking out I was like calm down you're just seeing the world through one lens right now Get some perspective. Widen the lens. Oh, damn. <laughs> there were no spiders. <laughs> Only my brain. <laughs> um, so we're at about two and a half hours. Damn, we did it. We did it. Takashi 6 time. we did it. Nine. I'm going to go grab my phone real quick. We're going to play sauce, and then we're going to okay. ride out. See ya. Talk to the people. Tell them something that, you know, whatever you couldn't tell me. Yeah? You want to tell a story? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have any stories help me oh, this is me asking for help this is me learning to ask for help um help me <laughs> i love it i love it i love not knowing what people are talking about <laughs> it's fucking sick okay this is the song that you had been listening to yeah my beard hair just got stuck in the mic <laughs> a great beard by the way hey it's a good i've been one. waiting two and a half hours for you to say that sorry it's okay thank you <laughs> My childhood fucked me up. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Always a pledge. And, you know, I love you and adore you. Thank you so much for, one, doing this, creating this space, and having me on and just being who you are. I mean, when I think about Humor for Hope and stuff like that, it wouldn't be who it is without you and all the other people that have been so selfless. So I'm glad our paths crossed. Me too. You're badass. You're badass. Is it is it hard is it is it hard is it hard to be fresh if you don't have money or can you still pull it off? See, when I had no money, I still had sauce. Mm-hmm. So if you don't got no sauce, then you are lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you also get lost in the sauce. Taking off, lifting off like I'm shooting straight from Mars. Sorry, Ma, I've been gone, haven't been home in like months. Now I'm off, now I'm off, sipping dope like I'm a fiend. I've been drunk, I've been drunk, but go, please don't fix me. Wanna. It cannot hold me I've been inside my mind Been wasting time all by my lonely Off a handle drinking Jack I should've changed my name to Daniel Wax is burning like a candle But my homie owes me So stay focused Remember what you're here for Told them that the drink was empty They already got more They got more And all I am is happy now Full force bitch Who the fuck gon' stop me now So who gon' stop me now Who gon' stop me now Who gon' stop me now Who gon' stop me now?